Just me? Attention FM DJs in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. All right, I was was distracted by a thing. Um, So we'll uh, we'll begin the show here in a second. I'm sorry, I was distracted by this... By by some like an angry postcard that some who brought this in? Did Bridgie bring this in? No, Dave then just brought it in. Oh. Mr. Emerson, this postcard says this postcard from somewhere. Mr. Emerson, people take the time to hear your show because the people involved are art smarter, are smarter. <laughs> wow, and, and funnier than elsewhere on the radio. When you bring in radio hosts from other shows to yours, you devolve your program. And make it more like a thing. This is how you want to start the show? No. Who don't they like? I don't know. And that's the, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know who he's referring to. He's talking about we Gavin or somebody when he came in last week or Fat Boy? Maybe. Well, whatever. Get Ben. We're all a big radio family. Seriously. Here. So whoever it is that sent me this uh, postcard, it's a postcard from the Lewis and Clark College Faculty Art Exhibition. <gasps> Please to be passing me. Yeah, you can have that. So uh, thanks for the postcard and uh, get stuffed. All right, uh, so we have the, uh, this is, for, before we play today. And it's uh, unsigned. That's what I, and it's in pencil. Who writes in pencil? Uh, and it's scrawled and barely legible. And he doesn't even, and sir, this is not constructive criticism. I mean, to sound like I'm starting the show on a negative tip. But if you're going to send in a big postcard full of hate, it, it would be nice if you specified about what you're angry so that I know not to repeat it. It's completely disjointed. It has arrows pointing like, <laughs> that's, it's like that, different that's edit, the thing. sentences. He put sentences in the wrong order because he has, he then after the after writing but before mailing, he added arrows showing where the sentences you're really right. ought to be. People involved art smarter, funnier than anywhere on radio. And he tells us not to get mediocre hosts from other stations on here, but he doesn't really specify who he's talking about or about whom he is talking. So, yeah, and then he goes back, and then there's like these, all these hieroglyphs he, he put afterward demonstrating how the sentences really ought to be read because he didn't put them in the correct order like the first time around, even though it's in pencil and could have been corrected. So try again next time, Chester. Better luck. All right. Uh, so, uh, Sarah, hi, Tim. How are you today? I just couldn't be better. <laughs> you held it together until the very end there. Mm-hmm. Silver. I'm feeling fine. <laughs> you sound worse than last time. And I have to say, really, I don't mean this is a personal slight, but you really do look more paralyzed than you did the last he time you had. He looks more paralyzed, but he sounds <clears throat> less paralyzed. I think. Maybe. I mean, maybe he's just learned to learn to work with his impediment. We've you, really got to start the show, Rick. Just as a man with a hook learns to brush his teeth, Tim has learned to speak with only half of his face. Time for the show. All right, hold on. Well, this is for you, Tim Riley. We have a little uh, West Wing clip here. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. What the hell happened? I had root canal. What happened to your cheeks? I had root canal. Why are you talking like that? I had root canal. Yeah, I heard you the first time. I was just amusing myself. I can suggest some other things you can do with yourself. Are you in pain? I had root canal. You're going to need to stop saying that because you just look and sound so ridiculous. I have to cancel the briefing. You can't cancel the briefing. Look at me. You'll be great. I can't do the briefing. Why not? I, I can't even say briefing. You can't cancel the briefing, CJ. You got to wrap up O'Leary. You got to move him back to the bill sign. Yes, you are. I'm sorry. Did, did you just say my name? You really think I can do it? Don't be insane, CJ. You're not going to a press briefing looking like Bullwinkle. Oh, so once again, you're just having a little fun. Yeah. Ha 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 ha. Where can you take the card now? Two hours. I'll have Carol cancel the briefing. No, we're still doing it. Who? Me. No way. CJ. You're a hostile. 
I get hot stuff? Hostile. Hostile. You get hostile. Don't get hostile. I don't get randomly hostile. I get hostile when hostility is called for. What Sam do Sam went to Foggy Bottom. What's he doing at Foggy Bottom? <laughs> I just wanted to see if I could make you say Foggy Bottom. Sam's working with the speechwriters. Toby? Toby's with Leo and the president. Josh. Hey there, cats and kittens. This is Josh Lyman coming at you with your 2 o'clock briefing. Josh, please be very careful. Try very, very hard not to destroy us. You shouldn't say that, CJ. You got a great body. Here we go. Trying to be empathetic, Tim. We're trying to. This is like a. It's like a. Uh, what is that book? The Black Like Me thing. We're trying to do a uh, half unable to speak like Tim. But well, you're doing quite well. <laughs> that never gets old. <laughs> oh, that's. I'm just. We're gonna ring every every well, kind of. It's a pleasure to be here today. <laughs> every molecule of comedy that we possibly can out of this. Uh, hello, it's 5 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour 11, uh, of 11 of this, the month of February, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly, not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is uh, Thursday, and welcome to Day 12. We're here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us with your comments, questions, clarifications, your two cents, uh, your what have you, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, just plain unpronounceable. Here's the thing is that every now and again I look over, because it's not just that you have difficulty speaking. We're simply just making these observations here as they, as they come to me. It's also that, much like Mary Jo Buttafuoco before you, really the entire left hemisphere of your face is immobile. And so you, you do from time to time look like Robin Williams when he played Popeye. Where's like, in lieu of actual acting, just half of his face didn't move anymore. <laughs> One eye all closed. What you really need is a corn cob pipe and some anchor tattoos, Tim. <coughs> You're the only one who saw Robin Williams and Popeye. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy, everything's going to be like 30% funnier today. All right. Good time. Great day to be alive, my friends. You betcha. It's 503-733-2970. <laughs> no, no, no. Tim was up and joking with physicians. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, but you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Tim at 970.am. Sarah at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. All right, let's I'll get everything under control. It's 503-733-2970. It is Thursday. Uh, lots of stuff coming up today. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent uh, Lisa Desjardins uh, today about... This is actually what it says. It says she's going to be discussing robocall. I don't know what that is. I think it's one of those automated things where you pick up the phone. I think Tim just left. I think there's a fire alarm or something. Oh, God. Really? Is there another fire alarm? We can't. 
I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving either. I'm going to stay here, broadcast until my fiery demise is upon me. What are we supposed to do? Like, leave the people? Well, wait a minute. Hold on. Was there a fire alarm? I think Tim just got up and left without us. Is it? Did did Tim, in fact, just get up and leave because of the firearm alarm without actually telling us what was going on? I don't know. Well, you were making fun of his face. Tim? There's either a fire or one of the stations is off the air. We're not sure yet. Ours is still on the air. We're still on the air. Then it's a fire. <laughs> That's great. I especially like the way that you thought there might be a fire and you didn't tell Sarah and I about it. You just walked out. Well, I had to go, go get something out the Thank you, Tim. I, I, no, it wasn't about the fire. It was about the printer. Are we sure that it's uh, that it's not one of the stations off the air? It might be. We have so many of them. It's hard to keep track. Right? Right. Oh, the flashing stop. All right. The flashing okay. stop. I don't sell smoke. I haven't seen anybody run b- because I am a child of 80s action films. I always just assume that if there's a fire, I'll know it because somebody who is ablaze will run into the shot. Somebody will somebody will run right into the center of the frame and then like waggle about for a few seconds and then just continue to run. I know that I'm a manager and so therefore I had to follow proper procedure, but I'm just staying here. Richie, moving was off the air, but not on it fire. wasn't moving at all. <laughs> moving was still. <laughs> All right, but they're back on the air now. Well, whatever. It doesn't affect me. All right, thank you. I was just going to say something. So uh, no, I mean, it's, okay, it's not that I'm not sympathetic. I'm just saying i got, I got things to do here. All right. Somebody will take care. All right. Uh, so Lisa Desjardins will be joining us today about, I, I guess it's a, it's a bunch of those automated calls that you pick up your phone and you answer, you go, hello? This is Barack Obama. It is now a time for change, in this, which is sort of like uh, you were talking about how you get those weird calls from Verizon now. Where you answer the phone and it's Verizon trying to sell you the, sell you whatever the crap is, the, 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 like an upgrade to your service program yeah. or something. So. And they'll be like, hi, this is Steve. I'm like, who, who the hell's Steve? <laughs> I'm your buddy at Verizon. How's uh, your phone? Did you ever, let me ask you this. Did you ever get like a, an automated call and you can't tell if it's a real person or a machine and you tread kind of lightly because even though no one is really listening, you don't want to be the idiot who is talking to a machine thinking it's a real person? Movie Madness does that. Mike Clark's Movie Madness. They have this thing that whenever you are late returning a film, it'll call your house, and it really is difficult to tell whether it's a recording or a live human. And I'll say, hello? Hey, this is Movie Madness calling about a video you have out. And then I kind of I kind of sit there and I try to bob and weave a little bit like Ali, just waiting to see whether or not I'm supposed to engage with him. Uh, let's see. Steve Kastenbaum will join us today. I guess, so what's his guts? Uh, Michael Bloomberg isn't running for mayor or for president or whatever. He is mayor, not going to be president. Whatever it is, he was going to do a thing, and now he's not. And it's, it's been like a month since we talked to Steve, so that's basically the only reason for that. Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer uh, will be joining us today. Uh, let's see, glorious bastard of the week. Uh, don't forget, <coughs> while I'm thinking about uh, glorious bastard of the week, so we'll announce that later. Glorious Bastard of the Week is going to win uh, a whole pile of stuff. Um, we have some Salvador Mali stuff we're going to be giving away. And then but right here, we don't forget, tomorrow it is Leap Year. I guess it's Leap Year all year long, but tomorrow's Leap Day. So tomorrow is February 29th. happens once every four years. So in honor of Leap uh, Day tomorrow, every fourth call that gets on the air tomorrow, we'll win a pair of passes to see 10,000 B.C. from the director of Independence Day. It's got to be good. Uh, so, uh, I got hold here in my hand. Passes to 10,000 B.C. It looks interesting. Uh, well, you can have my pass. It looks better than witless protection. <laughs> yes, it does. say that. Um, 
Uh, speaking it's just about cavemen and cave ladies. It is, but it's about they're really fashionably attired with perfect hair and lip gloss. Yeah. If you've seen any of the trailers, as Susan Reynolds noted, uh, they, it really is like it's like cave women who just stepped out of the pages of Vogue. So uh, anyway, so tomorrow every fourth call that gets on the air will score a pair of passes to see ten thousand BC. That is not today, but that is uh, tomorrow. Just because Richie's not quite busy enough back there. What else? Uh, today we'll take the uh, gluttony test. We didn't get to that yesterday. Uh, Darwin watch, taser watch, uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Tim Riley is working extra hard on the following stories for your edification today. Uh, Portland police are on the alert. <laughs> I'm sorry? Portland police are on alert. Oh, okay. Because Laura Bush is in town to speak to some youngsters. She's downtown. I don't think that was a word at all. I think you just opened your mouth and closed it and opened it and closed it again. Mom, mom. She's downtown. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of kids. Okay. A She's driver... sneaking a kiss? No, no, speaking to kids. Okay. A driver who hit a bicyclist must pay the victim $182. John McCain claims his remark that will be interact for 100 years has been distorted. For the first time ever, one out of every 100 Americans is in jail. Britain's Prince Harry, who looks neither like his father or his mother, is now serving on the front lines of Iraq. You know, you kind of sound like Steve Urkel today. You have kind of a, did I do that kind of a thing going on when you, when you talk. Well, I'm trying. I'm I know. Three... Oh, you're kicking him while he's down. He is I'm trying. not. No, no, no. It's, you know what? It's... I just want to be treated like everyone else. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan. Why, hello, how are you? I can't believe that the DJ over at Moot forgot about that. Okay, I dumped that. I really? Forgot. Yes. <laughs> there are lots of people over there. Shh. Let's be quiet. Play nice with the others. Oh, you kids. Thank you for dumping that. You you kids get out of the sandbox this instant. Oh, that was totally innocent. I used to, Sarah just opened her mouth and said something that I, that was not profane. Uh, or scatological or sexual in any way that I dumped because uh, it nonetheless would have made us sound no, like No, because I was referring dicks. to the other thing, how... No, I understand. Oh, how are you? Hi, how are you? Let's move on. No one heard it. Let's move no on. One, it this was is in... becoming more awkward by a moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's becoming what, Tim? More awkward. <laughs> yes, it is. Hi, hi, Sarah. How was your, how was your night? It was very well. I went over um, to my friend Jane, my friend's Jay and Lisa's house, and drank wine and watched movies. And no, she um, can't drink the. Oh, but you told me that she nurses and then sticks it in a cupboard or something. The baby? Yeah, I mean, or whatever. <laughs> the, the baby. She put this baby in the cupboard for the night. We have a box. We can keep this in for the evening. Uh, <laughs> it was really fun. I love hanging out with them, and the the baby's so cute. You know, here's the thing. I don't mean to ask you a bunch of breastfeeding questions because I know you're not like an authority on that, but. How far in advance can she do that? Well, she can, like, pump, like, sometimes if we know we're going out, like, to a show or something, she just pumps all day. <laughs> all day long, just milking. Like, like an oil rig. <laughs> yeah, Lisa's a big, fleshy oil derrick. Um, the, now, here's a dumb question. Is there, um, like, I mean, is, it, is there a finite amount? Like, it, does it just, could, how do I put this? Does she run out at times and have to let it recharge? I don't think so. I'm, I'm trying not to equate it to peeing. I'm really not. Um, but I'm just thinking, if there is a fluid in her body, milk in this case. God, we're, I can't believe we're talking about this, but I'm curious about this stuff. And then she's using the breast pump to store breast milk away so that... This is so she can booze, right? Is that the deal? So she's well, so pumping she can, in advance so she can drink? Well, she, so she can go out. And drink? 
Because and- you're not supposed to do that if you're breastfeeding. And I, obviously, yeah. she's a responsible parent and wouldn't wouldn't do that. Yeah. So, so how, I mean, can, if I, in other words, if I just put a big milking machine on her and just, just let it go and left the house for like a week, if I came back, would it, I mean, is there a point when it runs out? Like, does it take it out faster than she can make it? I don't know. I'll write to right now. Does okay. your breast milk <laughs> run out? I'm just on the bedpost overnight. I'm just sort of curious about how that works. And here, okay, and here's another thing I wonder about. Here's, also, can I ask you this, Sarah? Now, are, are, you're the only one in the room with breasts, so you're the only one I can ask this. No, uh, not as long as I keep nursing. It keeps making more. Really? Now, are they, um, and by they, I mean her bosoms, uh, which are plentiful. Are you they, talking to a breastfeeder in real time? <laughs> yes, <laughs> really via the Internet. I'm at talking to Sarah, who is talking to a breastfeeding mom, who responds to Sarah. Sarah's like one of those translators, you know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm Marley Matlin, and Lisa is, uh, you know, is Brad Whitford. Um, so, are they uh, connected, though? The breasts? Well, yeah. In other words, if the baby is always uh, nursing on one of them, no, she she switches. Does she have to? Yeah. Um. I don't. Well, if you want to keep them even. Is it? Oh, they're like two separate. Will one get real small and the other stays big? That's that's what I've heard before. And plus, the pump that she has is like these. It has this cup, and then there are like these two tubes that come out, and then it has two suction cups. Uh, one for each. Yeah. But so in other words, what, one's regular, one's premium. But if totally one's eighty-six octane. So if so, if the baby just stayed on one bosom. Uh, when that one was uh, done or whatever, uh, tapped out, it wouldn't just start taking it from the other one. You know what I mean? Like some sort of a backup gas tank. Like the, uh, the if 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 the baby was on one, it wouldn't start taking it from the other one when the primary one was empty. I can't believe I'm asking these questions, but really, when else am I going to have a chance to do this? There's a, some questions it's really hard to Google for. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, there's some things that people say, well, you can always Google the answer, but there's really, there's some things that, there, how would you possibly phrase some of these questions, you know, in a search engine to try to get, oh, by the way, just as a side note about Google, then we'll move on. So you remember when I was having all that tech support? A nightmare with Microsoft. Oh, when they took control of your computer. When they took control of my computer, really? you'll be happy to know, by the way, that uh, the, the the tech support person at Microsoft, who was just a boob on every single level, um, when it came time for the tech support person at Microsoft to figure out what was wrong with my computer, you know what they did? They at Microsoft went to Google, and I knew because I could see it on the screen. I could see what they were doing. So Microsoft themselves don't even use their own search engine. The Microsoft tech support woman was going to Google to find the answers <laughs> for their for their operating system. All right. Oh, you got to love Google for that. All right. So, uh, oh, and Richie wants to know that he is watching, and I'm not making this up, because you were watching a, several episodes of Dexter a night. Um, yes, I got, um, I watched one yesterday, one more. So now I'm on episode seven, and I'm so freaked out. Has anything else been revealed? No. All right. Uh, you're getting, I up, know, I you're getting right up on it because there's only five left now. You're more than halfway yeah, done. Yeah, because you said, I think you specifically said episode seven. Yeah. And I just finished ep- episode six yesterday. Yeah. And there's a, yeah, you get a whole bunch of weirdness coming up in the next few. It it, it starts, it, it well, accelerates. I just, I don't know where this, the close call yes. that just happened. Okay, all right. Like that was the last episode. It's going to be, yeah, no, you're heading right into it. They're going to start. Because it uh, seems like they're talking more about his family. So. It's going to start spiraling downward. Oh, I'm not looking forward to uh, it. because. Richie wants to know, by the way, that he is watching 10 hours of Lost a night. Uh, and I asked how that was possible. And he explained that it's because he goes home, he gets home at 5 o'clock, and he watches Lost until 3 in the morning. I so he is show. now watching. So at that rate, he's going to be completely caught up by the end of the weekend. So Richie is watching 10 hours of Lost every night. All right. So she wrote. So I asked her. Um, 
Let's see. If a baby nurses from one boob and not the other, does it, the other one get affected by it? Does one stay smaller if you nurse from one? She said, from what I've read, you shouldn't nurse from just one or they'll get misshapen. <laughs> yeah, one will shrink wow. up while the other will stretch. It wouldn't be pretty. Sometimes if my boobs are really full and I'm nursing on one, the other will leak. Nice day. Eh? Thanks. <laughs> You've this got probably, the answer to your no, question. No, it's true. I did, I, I did ask. Because it uh, is really happening. And there's, uh, there's probably some... And there's a new episode of Lost tonight. Which, ah! like, right I think it's the best night ever, Lost and mis- the Super Suckers. Misshapen bosoms. Oh. All right. Aren't you excited for tonight? I am. It's very... It's, just, it's all very crazy. I'm feeling a little crazy today. Not, not I'm, I'm in a fine mood, but I'm feeling like today is one of those days my brain is a, a jigsaw puzzle Uh-oh. that's not quite assembled. You know what I mean? The pieces are all sort of there, but they're not quite put together. So if I sound a little wacky today, that's why... Oh, and I had... By the way, and so we might as well just talk about this today. So... <clears throat> because every moment that I speak is a moment that Tim's mouth regains some semblance of feeling. Isn't that right, Tim? That is correct. Things are going well. No, see, you're sounding better. I think you've learned to compensate for it. You know what I mean? I think it's like a man who... You know what you are, Tim? You're like a man who loses his sight and then becomes a finer attuned in, in his hearing because of it. I think that the right side of your face has started... You've got lazy face syndrome. It's like having a lazy eye. You've got a lazy half of your face, so I think the right uh, side of your face, though, has learned to start picking up the slack. Right. It's like, oh, so what, it's like one side of my teeth? face has milk and the other side doesn't? <laughs> Uh-huh. Anyway, so uh, so the answer to whether I rode my bike this morning, of course, is no. But oh. here, no, but here's, here's the thing, though. So I made the strongest good faith effort to ride my bike today. I made the best. Uh, I went all out attempting to ride my bike this morning. So j- just in case... I thought I really got through to you yesterday. You did. Like, no, no, no. had a really you, good conversation. But see, that's the thing. is, And I want to say this now because I don't want it to come up later in some sort of snarky, so Mr. Fat-Ass Car Driving Man. So here's the thing. And it was because of our conversation yesterday. And, uh, and you were right about that. You and I had... There, you did have kind of a... We had a meeting in the minds about this because... And it's not even, you know what it is? It, you totally, I know you don't want kids, but you totally do have the mom uh, gene in some way. Because that conversation we had yesterday where you rode the bike, it, was, it wasn't even that you were irritated. It's just like you were sort of sad for me. You said, well, it's really nice out. I just can't believe you're not bicycling. Well, you know, it's, uh, it really is great. I think you'd like it if you, if you did it. But, you know, it's, it's your choice. And so when I'm like, oh, now I have to do it. And so I did feel really bad. You'd sort of made me feel like guilty and bad for not doing it. So I set the alarm for... Oh, I didn't make you feel guilty. I just really do think you're missing out, and I know how much you do love writing. Not guilty, but I'm saying is you made me feel like, you know, you did... I did sort of have this moment of clarity. Like, by God, she's right. I... (laughs) I'm going to do it. So I set the alarm for 7.15. I wake up this morning. You know, I get up, and I'm like, okay, today I'm going to bicycle. And, of course, I haven't today bicycled. Is the day. Exactly. And I haven't ridden a bike for, like, seven months. Who am I fooling? So at first, I can't find any of my biking clothes because I can't bike in, like, my sketchers or whatever. So it's like I've got to find my shoes. I can't find my biking shorts. My bike bag is buried somewhere in the depths of my, uh, depths of my room. i got to dig everything out. I finally get it, you know, and, and the whole time I'm feeling like, what's her name, Debbie from Singles, where I'm feeling like I've got the hot pink bike helmet on and, you know, <laughs> you know lip gloss. So I get all of my bike stuff, and you know how it is. It's like I got a regular shoulder bag, so I got to transfer everything into the bike bag this morning because I was just, I was too lazy to do it last night. I get everything done, everything ready. You know, I'm resplendent in my biking gear. I grab the garage door opener. I stride confidently out to the garage this morning. I open the garage. There's my bike. All right, here we go. It's time to rock. And I, you know, first thing I want to do is, you know, pump up the tires because it's been a few weeks and, you know, they, they lose air. And, of course, it's been so long since I've ridden the bike. I have no idea where the bicycle pump is. My wife, since I last 
uh, rode the bike my wife has purchased so many things from Ikea that our garage is just now filled with flattened cardboard boxes. So I'm back there like I'm emptying out a landfill, just throwing one cardboard box after another in the back of the garage. I finally get the bicycle pump. I'm like, okay, here we go. Hurrah. I roll my bike out into the driveway. I, you know, hunker down. I, you know, put the... And, of course, it's been, again, so long. It, you know, has the, the two different types of, um, of tire stems. There's like the regular kind, and then there's the one that has the little cap you got to twist. Mm-hmm. You know, like the whatever those are called, the European kind or whatever. And of course, I can't even remember which end of the bicycle pump goes into which end of the stem. So it's I'm having to figure it out. Pump up the back tire, fine, great, ready to rock. Go to pump up the front tire. I go to turn that little locking uh, cap on the top of the stem. You know what I'm what I'm mm-hmm. talking about, right? Yeah. I go to turn the little locking cap. And it's apparently stuck or jammed or bent somehow, but I don't realize this. So I'm like, well, it's a little, I don't know, it seems to be a little tight. Well, it has been a while. So I'm like, so I just start turning it like harder and harder, just really squeezing and gripping it, turning the the thing. And little do I know that I am actually unscrewing the stem from the inside of the tire. And so my tire still has about 50 pounds of air inside of it. Plus, it's got that slime stuff they put inside of it. It's like a tire sealant in case Mm -hmm. you remember a small tack. So the next thing I know, it blows the stem out of the tire, covers my entire (laughs) arm and my shirt and my pants with this goo from the inside of the tire, which is basically like wood glue. So now I'm standing in the driveway. The tire is now completely flat because the stem has been blown out of the tire. I'm covered in, in, in schmutz. So, but, you know, but I'm still undaunted. So, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to fix this. So I track down. The, I wash the crap off me. I track down the stem. At this point, I've now got this goo from the inside of the tire on my hands, so everything I touch is sticking to me. So now I'm not just covered in, like, grease and dirt and spider webs from the garage and goo. Now my hands are covered in, like, leaves and sticks everywhere. Everything <laughs> I touch is sticking to me, so I look like Swamp Thing. I've got dirt and, like, twigs and just crap and leaves all over me. So I grab the stem. I go to... I put the stem back into the tire. But, of course, the little locking cap on the top has, and I don't even know how this happened since I haven't touched the friggin' bike in like six months. My wife hasn't, she's got her own, so she hasn't ridden it. So the top of my stem is now somehow bent. So I put it back in, I fill the tire, tighten the stem down as hard as it'll go, close the locking cap, and yet even as I'm sitting there looking at the tire, I can hear it going. So the front tire of my bike, it won't hold the air. It has some sort of leak that I can't get rid of. And, of course, by this point, it is now, you know, because my whole goal is to get out of the house at 8 o'clock on my bike because it takes me, all things considered, it takes me 25 minutes. That is my average time, sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little shorter. It takes me 25 minutes to get from home to work. My goal is to be on the road by 8. But, of course, I it became a quest that, like, I had to make the bike work. So now it is 8.25 and so what do I do? I just say, F this! And I literally just, just like, God, in my driveway, like any children driving by or walking by would have seen a grown man in a Motley Crew shirt, like angrily throwing my bike back into the garage, shutting the garage door. I didn't even bother to go. I didn't want to go back in the house and change. So I just grab my helmet and my bike bag, still covered in, like, crap from the inside of the tire, still wearing my bicycle shorts and my Motley Crew shirt, and I just threw everything into the back of my car and just drove to work. So I drive to work in my bike outfit, covered in, like, garbage, like, with all my bike stuff. And, of course, what are you thinking to yourself? Well, as long as nobody sees me, I'll come into the back parking lot, I'll sneak into the building, I'll go into the bathroom, I will pretty up, and no one will ever know this happened. 
Of course, as soon as I pull into the parking lot, Joe Cassavetti on one side, Dan Bozick on the other, they're all in their cars looking normal, looking fine. I get out of the car. I'm wearing like an ill-fitting Motley Crue shirt. I'm covered in grease. I've got leaves all over the front of me, and I'm clutching a bike helmet as I get out of a car that clearly contains no bike. <laughs> and I just came in and Becca, and of course then I walked by Becca's office, and Becca is second only to you in terms of nagging me and making fun of me about, about riding the bike. So I walk by Becca's office. All she sees is me walking in in my bike gear, all sweaty and greasy with a helmet. She goes, Rick, I am so proud of you. I was just... I was just saying to myself, you know, Rick is really going to be glad when he bicycles again. I'm really, you, congratulations. I know I've made fun of you, but I'm glad that you've decided to bike again. And so what do I have to say? I, I didn't bike. I drove to work. I just have all my bike stuff with me. So then I just slept on down the hallway. So that was, uh, so I made, and of course I'm never going to get the tire fixed by tomorrow. So now it's going to have to be this weekend sometime. So I want you to know, you Sarah. tires fixed pretty quickly. Maybe. If I can get it fixed tonight. But I want you to know you did get through to me. Awesome. You did reach this troubled uh, team. I almost didn't want to ride today, and then, I don't know, I just look outside, and I'm like, I know that it's I'm going to regret it if I don't. Well, that was my so thing. Pretty. That was my thing. This morning, uh, it was late. It's not, like it, it's not like everything I do, I do it for you. But this morning, I was like, you know what? If I don't bike today, I'm just going to, I'm never going to bike again. Mm-hmm. That was my thing. It's like, if I don't bike today, when I'm up, I'm awake, it's beautiful outside, like, I will never again touch my bike. And so I made a really honest attempt, and I was just thwarted at every turn. Well, today wasn't your day. No, it was not meant to be. Uh, All right, so here's what else is coming up. Uh, We went to see some glorious bastards last night, Terry from the street team and I. Uh, We went around to see some dudes and uh, 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 a woman named Drew. We went to her house as well. So uh, every every Wednesday night we go out to uh, to see some listeners. We stop by their house. We thank them for listening. So a couple of things, just two observations. One, I'll have to save till later. So I've got three. I'll get to two of them now. One, we're driving around in the AM970 vehicle last night, and Terry is sort of flipping around, looking at whatever, <clears throat> looking for whatever on the radio, and she's kind of flipping back and forth, you know, on the seek function between all the stations. And we landed on some song that I didn't recognize, and, I, and it was kind of, it was really catchy. It was not really my style, but really catchy, really well done, great hook. And I said, who's, and she's got kids, so she knows all this stuff. I said, who is this? And she goes, oh, it's Hannah Montana. Which is so weird. It's the first time I've ever in my life actually heard a Miley Cyrus song. Was it good? I, and I don't know whether she does her songs as, like, do they say, and here's Miley Cyrus, or do they say, here's Hannah Montana. I don't know if she does the songs in character or whatever, but, I mean, it was really good, you know, in a sort of Britney kind of teen pop way. It was a little it was a little weird, actually, to, to, to kind of be listening to a song and enjoying it and then realizing I was kind of into a Hannah Montana song. Uh, so there was that. And then final thing, and then we'll break. We'll come back with Lisa Desjardins. So last stop of the night last night, we go to see this listener named Christopher. Uh, so we knock on his home. Uh, we knock on his door. He opens, and I always kind of feel bad for listeners because they don't know we're coming. We pull their names out of the Glorious Bastard database, and we just, you know, we knock on the door. And, of course, I mean, you know, this is, you know, this is a normal-looking guy and all, but he answers the door basically in his boxer shorts and, like, a, you know, like a wife-beating tank top. Um... And he's, uh, hello? And I'm like, hey, I'm Rick Emerson from CBS. And so, it's, you know, I'm all there, and I'm looking all, you know, whatever, respectable. You know, there with Terry. He's very personable, very cute. And he's standing there like his boxer shirts and a tank top. And he's, oh, come on in, I guess. And I walk <laughs> in, and like some sort of fast food container. And he really was, he really was like the best listener ever, though. He was, he was the definitive Rick Emerson listener. Because I go into his home, he's eating some sort of fried food, and he's simultaneously... Uh, playing uh, the electric guitar 
watching Casino Royale on a, like a high-definition television and playing some sort of online role-playing game all at once. So, and oh, with a big can of Futurama Slurm on the desk in front of him. So he is like he is like our ultimate listener. So I'm making conversation. I say, Hey, what's this role-playing game you're playing? And he's like, Oh, it's a, you know, it's a massively multiplayer online medieval Dungeons and Dragons Warcraft game or whatever. And he's telling me about it. He hands me the CD-ROM case for this. Uh, Role-playing game that he's in, and I, we we got back to the station last, and I realized I still have it in my hand. So, uh, so Christopher, if you're listening, I apologize. I have the case to your Arcanum Steamworks and Magic Obscura game, uh, in which you use magic weaponry and wits to destroy Rayan and his Hellspawn minions in this epic action-packed role-playing game, <laughs> where you can play ten massive environments, teeming with giant dragons, evil spirits, shadow soldiers, and more. Sarah. Shadow Soldiers? Rick, did you say Shadow Soldiers? I did indeed. Uh, this this particular branch of the game is Throne of Darkness. Sarah, terror strides our land. I don't think that's correct English, but... You and your seven samurai, Sarah, stand between order and oblivion. Only in Arcanum, Magic Obscura, Throne of Darkness. So, sorry about that, guy. We'll put this in the mail to you. All right. All right. Well, that's a little bit of business taken care of. We'll break here. We'll come back. Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Steve Kastenbaum, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. And I'll go ahead. Weird. But then it's opposite, you know, people like us, too. Exactly. This, uh, yeah, I don't want kids, but I do realize that if you have kids, in other words, there's a whole class of knowledge that I will never have because I have no progeny, such as this. Rick, about Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus. She has CDs out as Hannah Montana and CDs out as Miley Cyrus. But here's the weird thing. My 7-year-old prefers Hannah Montana. My 11-year-old prefers Miley Cyrus. How weird. I think that's in the bed. I think it's got a little dramatic pause there. Uh, we'll get to uh, Lisa Desjardins here in just one second. Susan Reynolds wants to weigh in on breastfeeding. Then we'll never talk about it again. Susan says it's a supply and demand thing. The more you use, the more you produce. And supposedly beer is very good for milk production. Lisa, doesn't mean you should drink a 12-pack, but they do recommend a beer or two to help, quote, increase supply. Okay, my final observation. This, I was going to ask you this in the kitchen, but I didn't get a chance. Uh, my final question about this is, and, and I'm asking you because you don't have kids and don't want kids. Like, do, is it weird to you though that like that like you've been given stuff that is you know like to breastfeed? Like, is it weird that you've sort of been given <laughs> that equipment? Your body can like make food for another thing. Yeah, that I mean, you know, not to not to work it's blue. That's something but that I really think about. That like nature gave you breasts. Like, okay, now you'll need these to breastfeed. Now, just just so you know, that's what they're like. Is the, it's just odd that you've been equipped for that? You know what I mean? It's oh, just, it's very strange. Sort of a weird thing to think about. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think, and we're good. Okay. Let's welcome now to the show from the hill. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hi. Wow. How are you guys? Uh, we're fine. Sorry you had to hear the whole breastfeeding conversation. No, that's okay. I just vaguely got the impression you want me to drink more beer and. Apparently produce more milk. What? Huh? No, no. I, I think you might have. Uh... Oh no! Different Lisa. Wow. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> oh, that's really awkward. That's totally awkward. No, my friend Lisa. No, just no, had no, a baby. no. Yes, no. A friend. No, no, no. Our friend. Our friend Lisa. Not you. Oh, <laughs> uh, now I'm like replaying everything, and I've said it the last like four I, minutes. Susan, I'd heard. I'd heard. You know. And I did. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Yes, this, Lisa, there's something, there's something we want you to know. You're pregnant. Uh, 
No, the uh, no, no. There was a, a friend of the show uh, has just uh, had a baby, as they say. So, oh, uh, as, right. as they say, for lack of a better term, which <laughs> has become uh, the latest phrase that I, I hate hearing on CNN. So the, I, I hear a lot. The sky is. Blue, for for lack of a better term. Is that now? I thought that the uh, here, when you say people use that, do you mean people in Washington or people at CNN? There is one correspondent in England that that enjoys using that a lot. The uh, what was the phrase that I uh, just the other day I heard somebody on it wasn't C-SPAN but it was like on some some channel where they were just droning on uh, somewhere about something political. It wasn't very interesting, but they used a phrase. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Well, for a while it was gravitas. For a while, that's the yeah. phrase. Every well, he does have a certain gravitas to him. Yes, it's so two thousand. Yeah, really. There was well, and that and the uh, the other thing that was very two thousand was for a while everybody had to say, well, Rick, at the end of the day. And, <laughs> I mean, I have to be, we have to be careful because then this will become like some whole dumb high concept topic about phrases you're sick of. But it really, in politics especially, they do seem to. You know, they'll find one and they will just, like, work it into the ground. The worst, and I think it'll be with us for perhaps another decade, the one that drives me crazy is, look. No, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and, or how about this? Here's the other thing they do that they never did. Well, maybe they they did. It's, it's, it's become very popular in the last decade for politicians or flacks of any variety to preemptively ask themselves and then answer questions that they don't want someone else to ask them. Yeah. Look, I mean, did I use embezzlement money to f- to fund the murder of my enemies? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did I have my political opponents buried in a landfill on the outskirts of Newark? Yes, that's true. Now, but what you're not going to hear the mainstream media say is this, and then and then they can, like, give their defense. Yes, that is absolutely true. Uh, oh, it's terrible. Everyone is doing that. And the worst part is that and now you hear uh, many people in the media talk like that on air, and now they just talk like that when I'm talking to people in the hallway. There has become, I would say, a, a sort of confluence between the way that people talk on television and the way that people speak in their everyday lives. Yes. And I don't know why that is. I don't know whether television has become m- more truly reflective of the way we speak. No. Or whether we are just watching so much freaking television and also we're all kind of dumb. And so we just latch on to whatever it is they say, you know, they say on the TV. I think I think it's the the latter more than the former. I mean, it really because because I, I heard it on TV first, and then now the the press corps here at the Capitol is giving me the it'll be just me talking to someone else. Look, Lisa. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's a thing that they only for a long time they only did that in movies, where a guy would start with it. Look, and it, which is it, here's an, okay. Now we really are just becoming like a hack radio show. But here's one other thing that they only 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 do in films, conversationally speaking. But that we did for the first time spot in the wild a couple weeks ago. Uh, this it was on now it was on a TV news report to be fair, but it was just an interview with just some some salt of the earth nitwit somewhere. Okay. Um, and she did that thing that they only do in films, which is where she repeats the last three or four words of some very dramatic statement. You know, like she says the statement and then tags it again with the last three or four words. Oh yes, and, I know precisely what you mean. Yes. And, you know where it's uh. Like you know, whatever. Like when, like when Danny Glover is going to rescue Mel Gibson or something, and you know what happened? Well, I meant, I meant to go save him from the clutches of Gary Busey, but I got there too late. I got there too late, which is a thing that only happens in bad Michael Bay films. And there was a woman on CNN actually the other day 
uh, where it, she had had like a ceramic Jesus or some such in the front yard of her, you know, in her front yard, and ne'er do wells had come by and stolen the ceramic Jesus, and they they interviewed her. And it was one of those things that we commented on at the time where she was she was speaking like someone who was out of a bad B thriller. <laughs> and she said, well, I thought that by putting the ceramic Jesus in the front of my house, it would be safe. But it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> and it just made it was so great and horrifying all at once. Very just, South Park. That's fantastic. It really was. It was it. Have you not do you not know the story I'm talking about. I, I do not know the oh. Jesus story, though I'm very happy uh, to have found out in the last day that a friend of mine is involved in the lawsuit between Eminem and the Naked Cowboy. Oh, really? Yes, the Naked Cowboy is suing Eminem. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you, I guess you know the... Yeah, Kastenbaum told us about that. Oh, did, oh of course, I was like, I've got to call him. I've got a, a, a friend who's a lawyer that's now involved in this litigation. Uh, let's see here. i got to see real quickly. i got to see if I can find this, because it was really, it was just, it was fantastic. <laughs> uh, and it was, and I do believe it was on CNN. Sarah, do you know if we had that, I, pardon me, Lisa, do you know if we had that Jesus poopy story? You know the one I'm talking about? If we have it, like, would you, you know, do we, you know if we had, could you look on uh, the YouTube uh, for it? I because... can't play anything on my computer. Oh, really? Oh, I know. It's so frustrating. Uh, can you, could you? I'll find it and send it to you. <laughs> Did you really just do that? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll look for it here. Yeah, it would like be. Like I had to contribute. If you, if you search, if you search that, that <laughs> phrase, Sarah, I'm I think you'll. It too. Yeah, you, oh, did you find it? Well, I will. All right. Excellent. Uh, anywho, well, before we before we do anything else, uh, let's let's move on a little bit. So this is so I just saw this this phrase robocall here. Robocalls, and, yes. And it's not now. See, it's not just politicians. We were talking about how our cell phone provider here has begun to do this too, where mm-hmm. you you answer the phone and for a moment you think you're talking to a real person, mm-hmm. then you feel dumb because you were speaking to a machine, and then you feel irritated because your life or dinner or whatever has been interrupted by some uh, some guy trying to pitch you some crap. Yeah. So uh, so what is the what is the crap that's being pitched uh, now with politicians? Democracy. <laughs> I'm pitching a little crap called democracy, Rick. That's exactly what, yes. uh, That's the, the funniest thing you've said all week. <laughs> the, yeah, and here's the thing is now uh, Diane Feinstein's trying to put a stop to the campaign robocalls. You, I don't know if you're on the do not call registry, but folks who are may have been noticing in past elections, maybe in this election, uh, they're still getting these campaign phone calls because politics are an exception under the do not call registry. You can call if you're a campaign, and Diane Feinstein of California is pushing to change that. And she also wants to put very strict limits on uh, campaign phone calls. It shouldn't be too sarcastic, but, it, you know, this bill may have a hard time getting through because it's politicians who would vote on it, but the limits that she wants to impose on campaign phone calls, to me, do not seem overly harsh. Uh, she wants to limit each campaign to calling each household twice a day, and they cannot call up until 9 p.m. and after 8 a.m. So, uh, to me, <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's, twice a day is, is probably plenty for any one campaign to be calling any one phone number. Now, here's a dumb question, and this is the sort of thing I ought to know, but of course I don't. Uh, we just had something about this the other day, but our our cell phones uh, they're not on a do not call list, right? Because there's no registry of them. I do no, I believe they are not on the do not call registry. However, I know some people who have who have put their who have somehow gotten their cell phone numbers on that list, but but it's 
it, you sometimes you it's tricky to do. I know a couple of friends who have done it, but it's not the same. It, it, there are many people who there are people who have tried to do it who have been uns, unsuccessful, who I know as well. And I have to mention because I imagine you know let's say, let's say if uh, maybe Scotty is listening here to this program that obviously there are very serious freedom of speech concerns here and speech rights over. You want politicians to be able to communicate with voters in general, and you don't want government uh, getting in the way, uh, stopping you know any sort of opposing campaign or any campaign it doesn't like from contacting people. So, so that is one of the tricks here. There is a real free speech issue, but some people say if you if you allow uh, do not the do not call registry to in, to include politics, then each resident, each person is making that decision themselves. Uh, so there's a there are there's a lot to debate here, but. Uh, you know, Feinstein, it seems that most people uh, in states which have had primaries this year probably on her side for less versus more campaign phone calls. So, so A, uh, A, were you just addressing Scotty? Who were you just addressing? Is it Scotty J, a former, is his, is his name, is, it, is that he who we do not speak of? Yes, but I mean, now to, why were you addressing, why would you possibly be addressing a comment about the political process to Scotty? Well, is, is, was he not the conservative on the show? Did he oh, yeah, no, he, and, I suppose. Okay. If, if by conservative you mean he... Be nice. <laughs> oh, no. No, I was just going to, if by conservative, he does eat uh, about 80% of his meals at Applebee's or restaurants that look similar, <laughs> so I guess that is conservative these days. Um, And is this, is this just the actual campaigns that are going to call me, or is this like those weird, what is it, those 517 groups or whatever they're called? Those groups, right. The, if, if it's a special interest group, that's completely separate. But if, if they're calling on behalf of a candidate, it counts. The difference is if they're calling just on an issue, if they're calling to uh, oh, talk to you about abortion, say, or talk to you about any particular issue, that wouldn't count. But any call endorsing a candidate or opposing a candidate on behalf of another candidate uh, could potentially uh, be included. Of course, the trick here is those special interest groups could just you know litter your your voicemail box with uh, opposition phone calls to a candidate, and because those weren't coming from a campaign, they wouldn't count. Uh. But for instance, your uh, Scarlett Johansson, who I know is making uh, robocalls around California, uh, you'd only be able to hear from her twice under this bill that Diane Feinstein is pushing. Well, really, I think of course the irony is if you know if you give me the, the vast number of people probably doing these calls, Scarlett Johansson call me as often as she wants. The uh, <laughs> Rick Emerson's well, phone they, is always on for her. Right, they can write this law however they like. They they have their choice. One of the things when they, they, held, they held a hearing on this yesterday, which is why it came up. Uh, but one of the men who really thinks it's a very bad idea to limit these calls because of free speech interests did give a fascinating statistic saying that the average human in a phone bank can call maybe 20 people in an hour. These computers, the robocalls, can hit 1.7 million uh, in seven hours. And so, then, they, then they achieve self-awareness and find Sarah Connor. Uh, all right. Before we uh, before we wrap it. Oh, first of all, it, when we had uh, we had talked last uh, week, and you weren't really able to give me the story because I think it was embargoed about the latest poll. And mm. I guessed that Obama had been a couple above Hillary in Texas. And Correct. I saw I I don't know. He was four points. It was four. Oh. Yeah, it was four. Uh, let's see. Four was the answer. My, and somebody else. <laughs> you know, you sound like John McLaughlin. The answer is four. Back after this. <laughs> um. Uh, this uh, We have a listener who emails says, Rick, uh, about your conversation with Lisa, the other thing pundits do all the time is to posit questions that no one has asked but that they want to float out there to make their spin. They will do it by posing questions like this. Well, you know, some people are saying blank. 
No one is saying that. You just want to get in your own opinion without having to be accountable. That really is true. I've seen people do that. Well, you know, some people are saying that Obama eats babies. And, you know, we have to... Uh, Draw a fine line on baby eating right now. You know, and no one is saying that. That is that. That is the younger sibling of the tactic that politicians use all the time. Hillary Clinton, I think, just just a couple of weeks ago, brought it out. I can't remember what she was what she was saying, but Republicans were. I gotta think of it. But right now, Republicans again and again. President Bush liked to do this a lot. Uh, you know. I'm, I'm tired of people saying that we should surrender to the terrorists. <laughs> Democrats want to surrender to the terrorists. No, they don't. Yes. They do not want to surrender to the terrorists. <laughs> and Hillary Clinton said something along those lines about Republicans a couple weeks ago. I have to, it's in my notes. That, that was just ridiculous. You, you know, mean? some people say that Republicans are reptilian aliens who bathe in the blood of the innocents. <laughs> uh, all right. As we wrap this up, I will. Now, it is not from CNN, apparently. It is from... Uh, it is from K blah blah blah. It's from somewhere, um, but I just hmm. I, I won't make you listen to the whole thing. But this is uh, this is a, a television news story about a woman whose ceramic Jesus was kidnapped from her yard by some uh, local miscreants who apparently were annoyed that she did not clean up the droppings that her uh, wiener dogs left behind. <laughs> so there's the backstory. She does not clean up after her wiener dogs. And in retaliation, uh, some hooligans kidnap her Jesus, which is just already, like, so surreal that I can't even. But listen, and you're a journalist, listen to how, uh, listen to how embarrassing this must be. I'm going to play you this little thing here, and listen to what a low point in this journalist's career it must be to be reading uh, this <laughs> ransom note that is left behind. Your mailbox. In the mailbox, a ransom note. The note basically said they were holding Jesus for ransom. The note reads, We are holding Jesus' ransom until you clean up the poopy from your wieners, and trust us, we see you take your wieners for long walks without picking up their poopy in our yards. This has upset us dearly, so please clean up all the wiener poopy if you want to see Jesus unharmed. Okay. Really? I mean... So, Rick, this is where I have to make a confession. I've been putting this off. Yes? Um, I can't hear any of the clips that you play. Oh! And really? I'm sorry that I have oh, you, but... It, but you I, led I, me on all this time. If, if it was just once or twice every now and then, I, I felt like I, I wouldn't have to bring it up, but it, it seems to be becoming regular, and I at some point it's just going to be awkward. Now, I wish... Well, it's awkward now. I wish you told us, because I think there's like a button on the board we can press that will fix oh, that. that. Might, there might be, it's probably a mixed minus thing where I've, I've... Yeah. That's been taken out of my streams. I don't hear myself. No, right? no, no. That's undoubtedly what it is. No, it's undoubtedly... Yeah, it's undoubtedly just a thing here. Sarah, are we not feeding the phone on the board? No, we feed the phone. I mean... I'm, because I'm, the listeners can hear us. Yeah. Unless their name is Lisa. Unless their name is Lisa. I have to do... Well, no, I'm glad you brought this up. First of all, this is like one of those... You're like one of those people uh, who graduated and, like, uh, had a successful car dealership for 30 years, despite the fact that she could not read or write. <laughs> That's totally what it is. Her friends thought that she was just a little slow. But the sad truth was, Lisa Desjardins was illiterate. It was a little awkward. I know you played the great Martha Quinn stuff the other day, and I just... Oh, wait, hold on. So wait, no, 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 no. No, hold on. Hold on. No, no, no. We're not... Okay, I know that Steve Kasdan no, Okay, we have to say this until tomorrow now, because now now I actually have to go. Now CNN is calling Okay, me. I was going to say, I know we have to get to Steve here, but really, I... Okay, she there's... She has to go. There's going to be a talking to tomorrow. <laughs> Okay. All right, and a reckoning. Sorry. All right. We'll I, had to, I had to get the truth out. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Okay. All right. Lisa, Day, if that okay. is your real name.
All right, there you go. That's that is so there. bizarre because Steve can hear it. Like Steve or Jim I'm, or I, and you know else. what? And the listeners can hear it because we were giving away the rush tickets just recently with it. Yeah, and Jim. Yeah, I can't like believe that she would deceive me that way. That she would take all of this time and not, you know, be upfront with me about it. I thought Lisa and I had a connection. I thought that there was a. Uh, sounds wrong to say an understanding. I thought that there was a, uh, you know, thought we had a relationship. She and I. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be taking this out on you. Well, yeah, I know you are. And but she she probably knew that you'd be going off like this, and you wouldn't have all the fun times that you did. Well, but but as opposed, but I could have remedied the situation. We we have people to look into that. She didn't even hear the Martha Stewart the the Martha uh, Quinn thing that Randy painstakingly located and that I uh, processed to sound telephonic. That was PG. You know, our whole Lisa and I, our whole relationship has been built in a house of lies. It's built on the most shaky foundation, Sarah. It's been, it's been built on a, a, a thing, on a thing that's, you know, not the stable thing, but the other thing. All right. Uh, she'll get hers. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastamon. Hello, sir. Hey, uh, Lisa and I had fun in Austin together, by the way. Did you? Now, uh, now the last time she was out on the road, she was in Vegas, and we had one of our listeners stop by and bring her and Roop some booze. So uh, so I do know that, you know, CNN people, there are people who enjoy their nightlife. Yeah. You know, our hotel was uh, right by 6th Street, and I don't know if you're familiar with Austin, but yeah. that's where a lot of the bars are. Absolutely. And, and uh, we sacrificed sleep for fun. Okay. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> yeah. Now, and not that we do this necessarily with you as often as we do with Lisa, but when I play sound bites, you're able to hear them, correct? Uh, sometimes. Not always, actually. Now, when yeah. you say not always, do you mean sometimes they're just sort of lower in audible, or sometimes you flat out cannot hear anything? Um, I think the last time when we played, uh, you know, Guess the Rush song, yeah. you had to put me on hold for uh, for that. Maybe and if I put her on hold, but she should still be able to hear them when she's on the air with and us. And then once you try to play them something. All right, let me play you something right now, just as a little test here. All right, I'm going to play you, uh, I'll just play you the, I'll play you just the first thing that, don't read anything into this. Here's the first thing that we have. <coughs> I'm sorry, I have to close this, uh, Okay. I have to close this YouTube window. All right, so I'm just going to play you the first soundbite that comes up here in our bank. Of I've had worse press than a pedophile or a murderer, and I've done nothing but charity for 20 years. All right, you hear that? Oh, yeah. Okay, so what the... WTF. All right, so we just had Lisa on the phone with us. I'm sorry to be taking it out on First Sarah, now you, but, and using you as a guinea pig. But we played her something off uh, off my computer here, and she claimed she couldn't hear it. So I'm wondering, can that... It, it's not like that could be on her end, though, because she's still basically just on a telephone. When you guys talk to us, are you on a telephone or are you on a microphone into the board? I'm going, uh, well, it's, you know, the telephone line in the board, so I'm on the microphone, but I mean, you know. But it's, it's, a, it's a phone connection just. Yeah, it's a phone connection. It's the same thing as being on the phone, yeah. All right. And, of course, she, so just in case, in case you're wondering, so the, the backstory is that I played her this fantastic soundbite about five minutes ago. You know what I mean? I'm a guy in a bar right now bitching to you about something my wife did. That's totally what I'm doing right now. But we had Lisa, we played this fantastic soundbite, and then this is what she ends our call with. She goes, Rick, I have to go here in a second, but i got to confess, I can't hear any of the soundbites you played for me. And so I've been playing, so like for the past three weeks, she's been sort of, it's so sad, she's been feigning like laughter and amusement at the soundbites I've played for her. Meanwhile, I haven't been able to hear one of them. Well, that's Lisa. You know, she never wants to disappoint. Well, disappoint she has by her deception. <laughs> She's disappointed with the building everything on a house of, of it's one big ruse, Steve Castamom. All right. Um, well, it's not like I really care 
uh, about uh, about whether Michael Bloomberg is going to be running or not, because we all kind of knew he wasn't. Um, but I mean, is this one of those things where he basically just, uh, it's wrong to say he just wants press for something. But I mean, do guys just like the attention they get by saying, well, maybe I'll run, maybe I won't. I mean, is that is that the genesis of this? I think he definitely was, was seriously considering a run for the White House. He spent a lot of time on research on uh, on these consultants who are going out there and really doing some some pinpoint measures uh, measuring out there uh, you know across the country to see what his realistic uh, possibilities were and uh, you know here in New York we've been saying he won't do it unless he knows he can win and and probably the the, the data or the data if you prefer came back and he saw something that suggested to him that he he might have a really tough time getting the White House so today. <laughs> He added some words to the things he had been saying every time we asked him, are you going to run for president? He had been saying for months, I am not a candidate for president, speaking in the present, but now, uh, speaking in the present rather, but, but, but today, finally, after penning it in a New York Times op-ed, Mayor Bloomberg said, I've said repeatedly over the last year, I am not and will not be a candidate. Oh. I reiterated that in the op-ed piece I wrote this morning. I will not. I will not. He added the future tense. I He's see. He's not going to do it. Well, he must. I mean, when you say he received some data that, shed, that said he was going to have a good time, I mean, I think that just at this point is just sort of turning on the television for 10 seconds <laughs> and just realizing uh, that no one whose name, if your name does not rhyme with uh, Obama, uh, you're not going to be the president this year. You know what happens here in New York? It's very easy to fall into this. Uh, feeling that that the rest of the world revolves around New York City. Yes, it is. And then you then you get a wake up call that that people in Missouri and North Dakota don't know anything about you, and 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 it's a harsh wake up call. And he would have had to spend a lot of his hard earned cash uh, to to win the White House, and he would have spent as much as it would have taken. But he probably figured that he could uh, be more effective using that money. Sure. Other way, you know, when he's no longer, or even just like putting, you know, even just playing scratch offs or something with it. I mean, really, that's going to be a better. And again, and I and I have nothing against against New York or people from there, but it is well. I think it's known that a New York can be a little insular, and b that there are sections of the country where being from New York is not a benefit and is certainly a liability. Uh, some of the flyover states that doesn't necessarily bode well for one that one is from New York City. Right. Uh, and plus, Mitt Romney has sort of been a reverse roadmap for some of these guys, right? Like a sort of things not to do with your money yeah it, it's also you know uh, a question about you know what are his real goals uh you know does he really want to sit in the white house for four years or or eight years and have to deal with you know the republicans and the democrats killing anything that he tries to pass through congress right. any sort of reform because as much as he he wants to push forth this uh, independent nonpartisan uh sort of sort of le leadership in, in washington dc the fact is you know the president really can't do much if Congress doesn't uh, get on his side, and it's not like the—it's uh, not like all of a sudden the president's going to walk into the White House and everybody's going to say, "Okay, that's it, no more special interest groups, no more lobbyists. We're going to do it uh, based on on what we think is right." And I think nobody wants to be the next Fred Thompson, where you're sort of up there for a while, just long enough for Jay Leno to you know to ream you like a good two or three five weeks in a row, and then to sort of just amble off stage at the end of it all, just poorer and having been made the object of fun. Yeah, this way. He can keep, uh, you know, instituting really, really good uh, reform policies here in New York City, which he had been doing, uh, and, and being on the forefront uh, of turning New York into a green city. 
and, and, and lead by example that way, and, and, and then just yell at the folks in D.C. for doing everything wrong. Excellent. Uh, all right, my friend, are you on tomorrow? Uh, yes, I am. All right, then we will have speaks with you then, undoubtedly. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, sir. We will talk to you soon. See you guys then. There you go. Steve Katzenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I'm going to move past it, Sarah. I'm very proud of you. I'm going to live in the now, not the then. This instant is what it's all about right here. Tim Riley, have, have you news for us? Absolutely. <laughs> Back after this, kids. It's 503-733-2970. Tim Riley around the corner later on. Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Glorious Bastard of the Week and uh, so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Oh, have you heard that thing? Of, have you heard that Orson Welles thing? No, I have not. When he goes crazy trying to read the commercial for Frozen Peas? No, I want to hear it. Oh, I've got that. Stay there. behind me in the rearview mirror that was mr last hour this is mr this hour rick this email says if i might i'd like to revisit the beginning of your show you relayed the story of arriving at work looking like you'd ridden your bike 20 miles when you had in fact driven your car i'm sure you've seen the ubiquitous bumper stickers exhorting us to keep portland weird today you are leading the charge well thanks ladies and gentlemen of the ministry of truth it's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A mysterious dead body has been found in Milwaukee. The discovery was made in the 2200 block of Southeast Millport. There's a dead body in Milwaukee? Mm hmm. What's mysterious about that? Well, this is at WW Metal Fab. Now, the Cracksburger Middle School is close to there, and it's been locked down as a possible precaution. There's a WW what? A WW Metal Fab. That's the name of the building. WW Metal Fab. Metal Fab. Is this an apartment building? No, it's, no, it's, it's got a, a factory of some kind. It's a, a metal facility. Okay, all right. And uh, apparently, there are some reports of shootings in that area, so the uh, kids have been locked up at the Cracksburger Middle School. Is it really called Cracksburger? Yeah, Cracksburger. All right. Why do they Why do they give uh, children and their facilities names that they know are just going to result in endless ridicule? Why do they do that? You know what I mean? What does nobody? They put the crack in Cracksburger. <laughs> I mean, does no one? Does no one investigate these things? Does is there nobody? Like you know, we have these. You know, we talk to Milwaukee. I suppose, but I mean, it's like we see movie previews sometimes, and like we all can tell the movie's going to suck. Do you know what I mean? So, all right. Well, uh, anywho, here's uh, Tim Riley. Then apparently uh, not enough people have been told that the Klein Line Bridge at Salmon Creek has been closed for a while. People keep driving on it while it's closed and get in accidents. It happened again today. A minivan crashed there and the driver and his dog had to be rescued. It's been closer repair since that big storm. Uh, the minivan swerved right to avoid crashing into the closure barricades and smashed through a chain-link fence, hit a guardrail, and then tumbled into the creek. This is what you'd sound like if you had a big, like, chaw of tobacco in your mouth, I think. Mm -hmm. Like if you had a pinch of Copenhagen between your lip and gum. Mm -hmm. The driver did not appear to be uh, seriously injured and was able to climb out of the minivan. His dog, the only other occupant, appeared to be okay, too. They helped the man and the dog get up. We don't know which order. This is the second time this month that somebody has drove up the Klein Line Bridge. 
Last month, a man uh, drove past the road close sign, and he was apparently drunk. No. So those who get drunk in Clark County are automatically attracted to the Klein Line Bridge, which is closed. <laughs> it's a magnet for morons with morons with uh, blood alcohol levels. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, First Lady Laura Bush flew into Portland today to take part in a regional youth conference. Uh, she was introduced by trailblazer Greg Owen, who towered above her as she uh, shook hands. She spoke to a crowded room about the importance of funding education and supporting America's youth. I wonder if we could submit this whole segment uh, for some sort of a public service award. You know what I mean? For helping, you know, for letting the differently able have a have a new segment. Mm-hmm. Some sort of, we should have lazy isolate this. So how long is she here? She's here for the whole day? Apparently so. She's at the Portland Center for the Performing Arts, which is downtown on Broadway. And extra police have been called out. Mm. Uh, let's see. This is uh, a regional youth conference by invitation only. But how much did it cost to go here? And is Most you... of the people are staying at the Benson. And do you suppose there's anybody that doesn't find Laura Bush scary? I mean, she just, she has... Uh, She's a very scary-looking woman. And she did kill someone. Let's not forget that. An ex-boyfriend, I guess. Yes, she did. Uh, she was responsible for the death was of an ex-boyfriend. Was she driving a car that went off a bridge? <laughs> she, no, she didn't go off a bridge. It went onto a guy's spine, I think. Uh... I do believe... Well, that's skipping a step and getting right to the heart of the mountain. <laughs> exactly. She brought the mountain to Mohammed, Tim. Um, the, uh, uh, but she just she has just those weird, dead Prozac eyes and just that st- the, the, the creepy lizard smile. She just looks like she'd have you killed. Or do it herself. Reminds me of that sorry, reptile eyes in that Woody Allen movie. Yes. Uh, uh, or or if you watch the miniseries V in 1986, Jane Badler's character of Diana... Uh, the one who eats the guinea pig in that one episode. That's that's kind of that's kind of what Laura, Laura Bush looks like. So apparently these uh, kids are coming here from all over the place, and it doesn't say. Well, it's all sold out anyway. Attire. The attire recommended for the conference is business dress. So everyone's dressed up over there to see Laura Bush. On to the next story. An 18-year-old driver's been arrested after he unknowingly took out his road rage on a off-duty sheriff's deputy. This all began with a Chevy van driven by Messiel Garcia, pulled out of Northeast 112th Avenue onto Gleason, and almost hit the deputy's vehicle. It continued on Gleason as the deputy waited for a turn light onto Northeast 102nd. The deputy said the man nearly rear-ended his vehicle as he waited for the light, so they won't turn. As the deputy drove alongside Garcia's van, he allegedly pointed what looked like a rifle at the deputy. So uh, uh, that, that seems suspicious. How could you point a rifle while you're driving? That's Where would point. you even keep a rifle while you were driving? On your lap? No, but you can't keep a rifle. In a gun rack. You can't have a, I don't think they do that anymore. Well, they did it this time. Do they? I mean, let me ask you this. Is it... Because I never really know how gun laws work. I don't have one. But, I mean, you can't just drive around with a gun in your gun rack, can you? Sure you I have can. I have a friend. I'm not going to name his name in case you can't. So I was just going to say, just because you've got a friend that does something, Sarah. No, my friend has a, has a trunk full of guns. Let's not... <laughs> Trunk full of guns. He the new, in a the shack new, in the woods. I was just gonna say the new the new album by uh, whatever the new album by. <laughs> he's not a violent person. He just really likes firearms, and so he has a trunk full of guns. He really does. And does he keep and them in the trunk? Loaded. A trunk full of loaded guns. I'm almost certain that's not legal. Well, let's well, ask he right now. Permits for all of them. Uh, I think having a permit to. He's a very he's a very smart man. Like I really don't think that he would be driving around if. if Please now to call and tell us if you can quote. He's a learned man. Have a tr- have a tr- and he'll kill anybody who says otherwise. Um, please now to call and tell us if you can have quote a trunk full of loaded guns in Portland. Portland. Yes. Huh? 
uh, if you can have a trunk full of loaded guns in Portland, and what permits one might need. Because I have to tell you, I don't blame people who are, live in certain neighborhoods. No, I, well, you know, my, uh, my, like AK-47s and like all kinds of stuff. Good for him. Well, I mean, it is, that is what makes America great. That and our, uh, our many flavors of breakfast cereal. So, I, because, and again, I'm, I'm not anti-gun in any way. Not for me, because I'd end up killing somebody. So that's why I don't own one. But, uh, I mean, there's enough things in my house that I could probably already kill somebody with. I don't need to add guns to that list. Because, you know what? The, the first time some guy ran a leaf blower on a Sunday morning, one dead bastard. So, uh, that's why I don't own a gun. But, so, but, I, but because I don't own a gun, I, I never really am sure what you can do with guns and what you can't and, and where you can take them and where you can't. Like, if I have a gun rack, and I put a rifle in my gun rack, and I lock it. Can I just like drive to uh, the mall and just walk inside the mall and just leave leave the, the the rifle and the gun rack out in my truck? These are all things I don't know. Mm. Trunk full of guns. Don't run that guy off the road. And no, plus, I'm, I'm really glad he's on my side. And really, and how how freaking do you think this guy was if he did point a gun mm-hmm. when he realized that the guy he hit and was pointing a gun at was a cop? Oh. That's where you just see the next. Uh, 20 years all played out, and it starts with a beating. Some guns I like. I like to have a rifle like the Rifleman. Like the, the Chuck Connors guy with it. Did we ever find the opening theme to that? The opening theme? No, the I'll rifle. go back and look for it again. That's, well, do or don't. Uh, Maybe later. Hi, you're on the Rick. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how you doing? What's up? Okay, so uh, about guns. You can't have a you can't have a unloaded rifle in a rifle rack because that is an open display of a firearm. Although it will get a lot of police attention from you. Wait, hold on. So you you can as in it is allowed. It's yeah, under state law. Display of affection. Your counties counties can also make the law different. Um, I'm not exactly sure, but I think Multnomah County doesn't have has outlawed even open display of firearms like that. Okay, so one so you do believe and again you're not a lawyer, but you do believe that in Multnomah County one may not openly display a firearm regardless of whether it is secured and, un, and unloaded or not. Yeah, that one I know I know about the state law for sure. I am a law student. I okay. but I don't oh, I have right. not studied Multnomah County law. I know I know the state law. And also okay. for So so if I, well let's just, just yeah. so if I had again a gun rack and well, but then I, but by that logic, then I probably wouldn't have a gun rack because having a gun in the gun rack here is probably illegal anyway. Uh, in the county of Multnomah, probably, but in the state, it's perfectly legal. Um, it will get a lot of negative attention from police officers, though. Yeah, well, like they you, will. Uh, will they, they pull will, you over? Do you think for that? Uh, they would probably. They have to have another reason to pull you over than just. Well, let's just, let's speak honestly as men here. Yes, um, uh, yes, they they yeah. probably would find a reason if they thought you were going to be a hazard with it. Interesting. However, okay. generally, you know, just a good old shotgun in your rack probably isn't. You know, depending on again where you're at in the state. If you're out in John Day, you know, you're probably yeah, pretty common. If still. you're in Vernonia, you could probably have a howitzer in the back of your truck. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, what about the trunk full of loaded guns? That's a, those are concealed weapons, and you have to have a concealed carry permit for a trunk full. Of weapons, uh, concealed carry permits uh, in Oregon. Uh, as long as you meet the cr- the criteria, they have to be granted to you. Uh, there's a distinction among states. Uh, some states say that they they may grant it to you by, by using the word may in the in the statute. That gives them wiggle room. Right, but in Oregon we use the shall, the word shall, which is the determinative. If you meet these standards, you get the concealed carry. What are permit. the What are the standards? Like you can't be a felon, obviously. Yeah, you can't be a, you can't be a felon. Uh, you can't have like uh, mental mental issues that are documented in the last set amount of time. All right. Um, you can't have committed a violent uh, a violent crime that is a misdemeanor. 
Uh, I don't have the statute in front of me. But but, but, if, but assuming you don't you don't hit any flags, they have to give you. Now, is there a limit to the number of guns one could have in one? Could I have if I had the right permits? Could I have a hundred guns in my trunk? Uh, yeah, you you can, as many as you want. Excellent. Yeah, I love you, this country. You sure can. Well, you gotta love the state too. I mean, there are places like New York where it's just impossible to get a concealed carry permit almost, and you can't openly carry a gun. And you would think in New York that's really it's like where you need one. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, really, we're worried about bears and such here in Oregon. Excellent. All right. Uh, how long until you become a lawyer? One more year. What kind of law are you studying? Criminal. Well, right. you have to you have to study it all. Right, but I mean, you uh, so you is it like it to be? You're still going to be a defense lawyer, or? Actually, uh, I'll, I'm going to work both sides because uh, I want to be a trial judge, criminal trial judge. So. Very cool. How long? Here's a dumb question because I don't. I, again, because I have almost no education to speak of. How long? Uh, like, let's say you graduate from high school, you get out of 12th grade. How long, all things being equal, uh, until you finish law school? Like eight years or something? It's four years. Well, I mean, if you do it all in the normal time frame, it's four years undergrad, three years postgrad. Jesus. Is it? Um, I mean, I mean, I really admire you. Don't get me wrong. I admire anybody that can buckle down, finish law school, finish uh, medical school. Uh, when you started law school, I mean, was it? What, did you feel like in a weird way you were sort of I don't, a prison sentence is the wrong way to put it, but did you did you have a weird sense like Jesus? It's like going to be eight years before I'm out of this tunnel. Well, I, I'm even more uh, kind of retarded in the sense that I had a I was a union <laughs> stagehand. Perspective clients, right? I, I was a union stagehand and uh, you know making decent living, didn't have a family, so I was making a pretty good living. But uh, I gave that up and then went back to uh, law school to to subject myself to what Excellent. really is just a vast hazing ritual. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, final question before we let you go, because this is something that I've always wondered and I can never really seem to get a straight answer out of everyone in this. So. If you have a client who is accused of, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, chopping up his next door neighbor with a with a weed whacker, um, and you're you're sitting there and you're having a meeting with him, and he blurts out by mistake. So anyway, when I killed that bastard, oh sorry, uh, if he just accidentally admits to you that he like completely full on did it, uh, do you have to squeal on him? Oh no, you can't. There's uh, there there's no way. The only time that you can break that confidentiality if he is talking about the ongoing commission of a crime or the future commission of a crime, so are then, you, then you have a duty. Are you allowed to then? Uh, can you stand up in front of the court and like d argue that that he's a uh, argue that he didn't do it if you know he did? Is you that does that break a law? You uh, it breaks. There's other there's competing rules of uh, uh, professional ethics here more than laws. Um, but you can't bring in and you can't introduce. Evidence, either testimony or otherwise, at trial that you know is false. So you couldn't, if he tells you that he that he did it, and you believe that he did it, you can't put him on the stand and then uh, ask him questions that you know are going to elicit false response. And you could you tell the if you know he did it, can you in your opening or closing statements tell the jury this man did not kill anybody? Uh, you're getting you're getting closer to a fine line. You probably get uh, reviewed for that. But what you really, I mean, really, what you find him arguing there. As the defense, you say the state did not prove this, the state did not prove this, oh, the I state see. did not prove this. Therefore, you must find him innocent. So and you, you argue it sort of passively yeah. as opposed to actively. It's all like yeah. my cousin Vinny. It's exactly like it's my cousin kind of, Vinny. It, yeah, it kind of is. I mean, there's a lot of realism in the defense to that right. in that you just – a lot of the defense is you just make the state prove its case and point out all the flaws in it along the way. Excellent. Well, I got this uh, guy who lives in my series He's a real dick, so I might come find you one of these days. <laughs> all right. Well, Thank you, guys, you, sir. I come to every listener party, All so. right. Good luck, my friend. All right, thanks Thank a lot. Thank you. There you go. There's uh, that guy. Fantastic.
This is the best audience ever, really. Mm. Honestly. We ask if you can have a trunk full of guns. Law student calls up. All right. Hello, Hello Tim Riley. This is my pot up. Yeah, and you know, with every passing moment, you're getting you're closer to Wellville, Tim. Do we have the rifleman sound? We do. I don't think my pot's up, though. Sarah's it, is pot up? It really is. Oh, God. Really? Is, it, is that one of these days? First, Sarah's computer doesn't work. Then Lisa... Uh, oh, even... somebody messed with the buttons oh, over here. Is that, I wonder, is that possibly why Lisa that was not able to... I've never Except seen Except Steve did. You know what, except Steve was these able to... These aren't even labeled. This. I don't even know why these would be pushed over here. Somebody, this is going to be a... Oh, there we go. The Rifleman. Yeah. That's a man. It's a man's man. He really is. Doesn't he look like he had to be chewing on some straw all the time? Connors. Yeah. And that's why you shoot a rifle. <laughs> right there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, excellent. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Uh, so here's somebody else to put in your book. At least a couple of people. All right, are. duly noted. Okay. So early this morning, Washington County Sheriff's deputies responded to the 3,000 block of Northwest Banff Drive in Bethany, where an elderly woman said she'd been robbed by two strangers who broke into her home. Luckily, they didn't hurt her. At about 1.30 this morning, the 86-year-old woman awoke to a light being shined in her face by two men wearing ski masks who ordered her to turn over her valuables. She was locked in her bathroom and listed the two men ransacked the house. Uh, after they were done searching her house, the suspects confronted the 411 110-pound woman and demanded she give them the key to her safe. Uh, when she couldn't remember the location, the suspects threatened her with a knife. They eventually took the entire safe out of the house. So uh, luckily they didn't hurt her. But this happened in Bethany this morning. In Bethany. Mm. Two you know, white males, one short, one tall, both wearing ski masks. And along with the state, the suspect took gold, anti-jewelry, and an ID. And, uh, you know, Bethany is where, like, half of the CBS uh, radio staff lives from upstairs. Mm -hmm. Like, if you go upstairs, about every third cubicle, there's somebody who lives in Bethany. And it's driving uh, distance to my house. No, and they, I don't and, even know where Bethany is. Uh, it's a place that we're not allowed, Sarah. We uh, don't. There's a big size. We're allowed there. There's a big, you know what it is? Driving into Bethany is like going to one of those clubs where, like, they hold up, like, a jacket that you have to put on before you can eat there. Okay. It's like a whole city of that. Uh, Susan Reynolds lives there. Lisa Adams lives there. Jeff McGinley uh, lives there. Uh, John Paul, who's the PD of KUPL, lives there. Um, yeah, there's a ton of people. And so every time we have a story about high crime, Tim will make an observation about Tannisborn, and then Susan will make a snarky comment about Bethany later and how it's crime-free. Or is it? All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. What's up? Um, on the concealed carry thing, a lot of it is with uh, your attitude and what the police officer decides. If you get pulled over with a trunk load of guns, regardless of your concealed carry permit, uh, you know, cops going to ask you, why do you have a trunk load of guns? I think I might, if I got pulled over with a trunk load of guns, you're from my church group. <laughs> I was just going to exactly. Yes, we're going shooting for the Lord. <laughs> anything involving firearms, I know this is kind of an obscure concept, but anything involving firearms in the law, also involves a great deal of uh, common sense. So, you know, if you're, you only have two hands and you're carrying more than two guns, <laughs> you have issues. Well, I suppose. Or maybe you're just prepared like a Boy Scout. Thank you, sir. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now the FBI is investigating whether baseball pitcher Roger Clemens committed perjury in his testimony before Congress. So we'll find out. Fred Meyer is recalling bottles of bleach, which were sold exclusively at Fred Meyer and QFC stores. They could potentially 
The bleach could potentially burst out of the bottle when open. Wow, really? This is everyday living bleach. So this bleach is alive anyway, so it tells you it's a living bleach. I love the idea that somebody is opening the bleach, though, with their face right next to the mm-hmm. cap. You know, like just to inhale the fresh scent. Yeah. Uh, you should bl- put the bleach in a garbage bag, place it in the second bag. If the container looks uh, like it's bulging, uh, let's see, and just bring it back. All right. Your money will be cheerfully refunded. Uh, viewers and Bob, who convicted of using his kids to steal thousands of dollars in merchandise, will learn his sentence today if he shows up in court. Adam Brown and his companion, Amber, where we had a scheme to have their 14-year-old and 9-year-old walk out of department stores with shopping carts full of merchandise without paying. They were caught at the Target at Tannisborn in October 2007 with more than $2,000 in electronics. Uh, first of all, I saw pictures of them, and they don't look like they belong in the area anyway. I was just going to say, Tim, how the worm has turned mm-hmm. for Tannisborn. Yeah. First Bethany, now your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Lake Oswego, then the whole place. It'll all be covered. All be covered in crime next. Mm-hmm. All right. But obviously, by the looks, you can tell that they weren't locals. Uh, Amber, was she blonde, or was she maybe like like bad brunette with blonde streaks in it? Yeah, probably, yes. Slack-jawed, kind of spongy. So yeah. uh, one could end up with 30 days in jail. And uh, let's see. The one that has a criminal history anyway, and the other could serve 13 months. Well, okay, good for her. Uh, let's see, we got uh, something about uh, Chuck Connors. More gun calls, of course. Hi, you're... Wow. Rick. Hi, what is that noise, sir? Oh, I'm in uh, the cooler stocking Viso. Oh, excellent. Fantastic. Where at, sir? Uh, Platt, or no, it's uh, 7-Eleven down on Hawthorne, right across from the Cinemagic. Oh, uh, the Cinemagic. Oh, the, uh, the, oh, they Lads carry ad- it there? the Lads Edition oh, yeah. 7-Eleven. Yeah, they carry a ton of it. Up That's there, a, kind of a funky 7-Eleven, though, where it's almost like Adobe outside, or you know what, like stucco? It's not like it's not shaped like a traditional 7-Eleven. It's, like it's pretty o- normal. It has, like, huge windows, like 7-Eleven. Maybe. It's right across from that Vesuvio pizza place. I used to live right next to there, and it used to get robbed all the time. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. watch, watch your back, sir. Do you have a gun? Uh no I yeah. can't carry I can't carry one in my truck. Well, I'm just saying you might you might think about the how can I help you? Hey so I heard a rumor a long time ago I heard that uh, uh, Chuck Connors from The Rifleman had got his start in Hollywood in skin slicks. I just somehow I knew this was going to end up in like I heard he got his start in gay porn. Uh Chuck Connors really now where did you hear this? I I heard it from my old I used to work for a record store a long time ago and my old boss you know that's that's the kind of thing you talk about at a record store. And All right, hold on. Let's see. Let me look here. Hold on. Let me make a note to myself because that reminds me of something else I want to talk about later. Hold on. Sylvester so Stallone too. I was just going to say. Yeah. You, okay, no, no, no. But bonus points here. Can you name? And if you can, uh, this only goes for you. This is not good for any other caller because somebody will Wikipedia it. Can you name, sir, uh, for a pair of passes to see 10,000 BC? The skin flick in which Sylvester Stallone starred. I'm gonna guess. Yeah. Because I'm not sure, but I'm just gonna guess. Was it the Italian Stallion? No, no, uh. it was not. It was called A Night at Kitty and Studs. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, let's see here. How about this early career? Um, let's see. Ba 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 ba. Connors realized he would not make a career in professional sports. Decided to become an actor. He was spotted by an MGM casting director. Uh, and cast in the 1952 film Pat and Mike, which is Tracy and Hepburn. Um, da, da, da. It doesn't say anything about this. There's uh, just a rumor. Yeah, and apparently it's either not true uh, or it's a thing that they just haven't been able to verify. Wikipedia, which generally is right about such things, they have, uh, they have no reference to him being in skin flicks. And that's the kind of thing they would have because there would be photographic evidence of it. Right. All right, well. 
Maybe, maybe not. All right. Thank you, Thanks, my friend. Sir. All right, take it easy on the road. There you go. That's Here's a little message from Chuck Connors about that entire idea. Thank you. Is it, I forget in the opening, is it him? Do you see what he's shooting, or is it just a close-up on the hand pumping the gun? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the, the dolly goes back, and then you see his face, and then he has it. The Rifleman. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, oh, by the way, don't forget, so tomorrow is Leap Day. Uh, this is leap year, so we're going to do uh, every four years we do this. Uh, so every fourth call that gets on the air tomorrow, win a pair of passes to see 10,000 BC, uh, which is uh, screening next Thursday, March 6th. 10,000 BC. That sounds like something out of the 1950s. It, uh, it, it, Some sex kitten with their cleavage hanging down. With... That's see, that's what I was thinking of. Mm. The Raquel Welch thing. Yeah. But what movie is that? That's not. Is that one million I think BC? That's one million BC. So this is then later. Mm-hmm. So Raquel the Welch. <laughs> So this is, um, so that was one million BC because that's the poster that Andy Dufresne has on his wall in the Shawshank Redemption. At the end, when the uh, when the, the warden goes in and he goes, "What say there, fussy britches or whatever?" When he's like looking for Andy Dufresne, because Andy's gone, um, and he says, "Everybody's on it, even her." And he and he, he tears the poster up. I think it's the one million BC poster. No, maybe that's Rita Hayworth still at that point. Well, whatever. Anyway, so this is ten thousand BC, uh, which is. Um, Written and directed by the guy that did the uh, Independence Day. So, so you got that. Uh, so every fourth call that gets on the air tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, not today. I win a pair of those passes. Hey, Here's speaking Tim of people used to be in porn, did you get that picture I sent <laughs> to you yesterday? No, I don't know. What what picture? The picture I sent you of Pastor Melissa Scott? No. Where Did, did you send it to my I other address? You, no, I sent you on, on my phone because I told you oh, I ride I my can't bike. Get, for some reason, I can't get pictures on my phone right now. I don't know. Cause I, I got a new phone. And How for primitive. For some, well, it, it's it, my phone. It's, it's I need to activate it. It's like with Verizon, I got some glitch somehow. Um, so it, it, my phone is great. It's clearly a thing with Verizon. Uh, I got to activate it somehow. Okay, so look at that. That's so what I, I have, ride my uh, bike by every day. Let's see here. University Chapel, Dr. Gene Scott, Pastor Melissa Scott. Where is the University Chapel? It's on 32nd, and uh, it's right near Belmont. That's got to be live via satellite or something, because I but think she's in L.A. Weird, but it's like this beautiful old rustic church. I can't just I can't picture them having well, a satellite TV in their church. Well, now I'm gonna have to go. I told to you. Go I see if she's there. No, I yeah, I can't get pictures of my phone right now. I don't know why. I, I know I sent it to you. I'm like he's gonna be so excited, and I never heard back. From I him. get the message, and it says like blah blah blah. Cannot receive image. Except for C. Yeah, see, I wasn't able to see it. So. Okay. I'll uh, do one more, and then we'll take a, a little break here. Well, a woman was ordered to pay a fine for hitting a bike with her car last year. A case that only went to court because a citizen and not a cop used an obscure law to write a ticket himself. Uh, The Portland lawyer decided to get involved after police didn't investigate the collision because it did not involve traumatic injury. It happened when Lisa Wheeler was driving south on North Interstate and took a right turn out of North Greeley. And, uh, well, she collided with the motorist. She wasn't seriously injured. So on Wednesday, Wheeler pleaded no contest to a charge of failing to yield to a bike in a bike lane and was ordered to pay the $182 fine. So apparently this is for repairing the bike, I suppose. Really? $182? That's all that's worth? Yeah, for hitting somebody on the bike. Yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Hello. Hi. Hey, back, what's up? back home, I used to work in a video store, and we had the video that had Chuck Connors in it. Now, see... This sounds like one of those things that will never be, it's tantalizing, but will be impossible to prove. So you worked in a video store, what was, uh, and you had a video in which, I mean, what was, what, it wasn't a porn film, obviously, but what, what was it? Well, it, 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 
it, we kept it in the adult section. It was a video of all, a whole <laughs> bunch of old celebrities like that that they dug up supposed porn films that they were in. And this was, and it was Chuck Connors. Now, how do you know I that know Chuck James Dean was in that one too? Is this because there are many people rumored to have done these things, but a lot of times, you know, the, the proof never surfaces. Um, right? Did you? It, it, was, did you... it was pretty grainy. It was hard. If it wasn't him, it was it was somebody that looked strikingly similar. Now, did the box claim that it was in fact Chuck Connors? The box did. Yeah. Interesting. Do you remember the name of the movie? I don't. This See, was, maybe a long, long, long time ago. It's going to make it impossible to. Who else was on there? Uh, they had the Sylvester Stallone clip, and they had what. And and this is uh, it could not be true too, but they they also had one that claimed to be a very young Barbara Streisand. See, no, no, no. Now Barbara Streisand has done nude scenes. I think she did nudity. Ah, uh, see, where's Mr. Skin when we need him? Um, the I think she's done nudity, but I don't think she's done uh, any sort of softcore because I think that's basically when you say a skin flick. I think to me it's a, it's a question of lexicon, I suppose. But I think skin flick denotes uh, not uh, real sex. And not a regular movie, but a movie that is sort of, you know, a flick of skin. Yeah, well, that's the worst phrase ever. Um, uh, but, you know, but there's something that is, uh, you know, obviously, where there's just a lot of nudity and maybe a lot of simulated sex. Like Anna Nicole Smith did several of those. Um, okay, well, now I'm going to have to look it up. All right, so you and where? what state was this in? This was back in Alaska. Back in Alaska. Well, I mean, really... Honestly, in Alaska, the, the the selection is so limited that one, you know, I would imagine they would just settle for anything there, you know, if they thought it was interesting. So yeah, I, I can call up there. The guy that owns the store is a really good friend of mine. He's probably still got it. I'll no way! No, no seriously, will you do that today? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll do it later on tonight. Okay. Will you uh, now, if you can find the guy, better send it back in time so you don't get a late fee. Who, run, who runs the <laughs> video store? Will you will you get in touch with him so we can talk to him? Yeah, definitely. All right. Thank you, my friend. Okay, take care. All right, there you go. Right. Well, now it's, see, now it's a thing we have to find out. All right. Let's take a break here. Back after this, more of Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, later on, Dorothy Carcassari joining us for the National Enquirer. Uh, we have a Star Wars question that needs answering and uh, more of your phone calls. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, 503-733-2970. Still to come, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Glorious Bastard of the Week. All right. Uh, well, let's just do a couple of these, then we will uh, continue with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hi, what's up? Hey, on the uh, opening of The Rifleman... And I was a kid when I was watching that, so I saw it a lot of times. I was always confused about how how does he get off that many shots? In fact, how many shots are there at the beginning of that? And can that kind of a gun be made to be like a, a what, an automatic or semi-automatic? I mean, I always thought it was just kind of an opening bit of Hollywood that was a little bit hard to believe. Are you asking if it's plausible, if, if that gun exists and does operate in that way? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Well, All right, well, maybe... Tim, how many, do do we have the opening there? All right, let's listen. Everyone start counting. All right. Ready? Yes. Here it goes. Twelve. Really? So 12, 13? I got 13. What'd you yeah, get, Tim? Yeah, 13. 13. Okay, so 13. That seems uh, 
That seems implausible. Um, <laughs> it's television. Like, can I watch? Hold on, maybe I'm going to watch the opening. I'm going to watch the opening. Here. All right, watch the opening. All right. Everybody watch the opening. The Rifleman. Now, see, I don't really know enough about guns. Uh, nor do I. To know, but it, I'm looking at the gun itself. I don't know what, I don't even really know what kind of gun that is that, that he is has. A Springfield rifle modified. And does it, uh, it's made specially for Hollywood. <laughs> made, made specially, made specially with magic. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't seem like that's a thing uh, that you would really have, but then I don't really know. I, I don't really know at that I point. I guess you could have one made if you had enough money. I guess, but I mean, but it, but it, to be true to the character, to be sort of a western ranch guy, mm-hmm. I don't really know that you would have that guy. You know what, sir, somebody will call up and they'll have that. So. And, and didn't it have that, uh, boy, I really don't know about guns, that, that kind of that loop thing that came down by the trigger, you know, where you'd uh, pull it down forward and then bring it back to... to uh, well, yeah, to cock the gun, yeah. It did have, yeah, it was it was not, I mean, yeah, you did have to cock it again after every uh, after every shot. Yeah, so if it had that, by definition, I'd almost think that it would have to be a single shot, you know, one at a time or whatever. Well, I, yeah, I it was. Know. It's just a question of how many, it's a question of how many shells the gun can hold. Uh, because if you watch it, he is doing the you know the cock you know, <laughs> the cocking action um, after every shot. You know what? I'm, I really don't know enough to even be weighing in on this. Somebody will uh, somebody will tell us. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Whoever. All right, there you go. The trick feature of the rifle was a screw pin attached to a large loop lever that was positioned as to trip the trigger when the ring was slammed home, thus allowing Lucas to rapid fire the rifle. Uh, similar to a semi-automatic pistol. The trigger trip also uh, was held on the outside of the trigger guard with a lock nut on the outside to further secure its position. In some of the episodes, the screw was completely taken out when rapid-fire action was not needed. When properly adjusted, the, the screw squeezed the trigger when the lever was fully closed. Closed. <laughs> You're almost he, he does, done. He does fire 12 shots from this 12-round rifle during the opening credits. Seven shots in the first close-up as the credits open, and five more shots are shown as the camera switches to another view. Then he swings, uh, swings the rifle to cock it and reaches for a round from his shirt pocket. So it is a so it is a gun that holds twelve rounds. The rifle was chambered in a forty-four dash forty caliber, which could be used as a six-gun cartridge or a rifle round. All right. Boy, you can, you can sometimes you can really tell when all of us here have just wandered off the path of knowledge. Uh-huh. I really actually he only fired twelve shots. The thirteenth had to be dubbed in to time out with the music. So he okay. So there, there are, are thirteen. There are th- he fires twelve, but you hear thirteen. That's clever. Interesting. So yes, yeah, so, so if you watch him, there's twelve, but if you hear it, it's thirteen because they dubbed one over to go with the music. Interesting. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, do some more news here, and then we'll get these uh, some of these many calls that we have. All right. Well. As we all know, uh, Prince Harry, who's the ugly one, doesn't look like either his late mother, <laughs> Diana, or his uh, supposed father, mm. Prince Charles. I no. wonder why that might be. It comes as no surprise that we find him in the front line fighting the Taliban <laughs> in Afghanistan. We've got a special assignment. <laughs> Do anybody ever? No. He's been there since uh, December. <laughs> he says he's thrilled to be in Afghanistan. I don't think there's any words to sort of describe it. It's just really nice to be out here. Um, I hope to be out here for a lot longer and sort of go through it with oh, everybody else. Oh, you'll be there for a lot longer. Much better being yep. out here, experiencing it, rather than hearing all the stories yeah. of people coming back. I think you're going to be there as long as it takes. <laughs> it's better than being in Paris. Uh-huh. Uh, he admits he is the target of the enemy. I was always hoping to get forward, and I got here on Christmas Eve, and going from bullet magnet to um, anti-bullet. 
Toilet Magnet. Most of the guys were pretty bummed that I was here because um, nothing was happening for the first few days that I was here. But things are picking up again now. Well, first of all, let's not, I mean, let's not get too up our own backsides about this, friend. No one in the Taliban knows, knows who you are or that you're there. Because so it doesn't look like the royals. Well, and seriously, like the Taliban guys, no, 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 let's turn on the television and see if one of the princes is here. Um, but uh, now... When I first read this drudge thing, and apparently he's been over in Afghanistan, Prince Harry has Before been... Christmas. For Christmas. And Drudge was breaking the story that, like, no one will talk about it, but I, Matt Drudge, will reveal it. And my first thought was that, that somebody fed this story to Drudge, like the royals, fed this to Drudge because they wanted it known, because they, they're getting so much flack for the war just chewing up, uh, as it often does, uh, yeah, you know, uh, folks who, uh, you know, who, who aren't, you know, the army gets that whole thing about where, um, people are assigned is sometimes there's allegations that it's based on your, your background or where you come from or your social strata. And well, they're not going to send Prince William there. Well, and there's, there's... He's the better looking one of the two. And like, you know, Michael Moore did that thing where he was trying to find out how many members of, of Congress had a kid, uh, you know, uh, in, you know, enlisted or that was going to war and it was like one... So I, my first thought was this is just a little bit of propaganda, this is a little bit of PR to make it look like, no, 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 rich people have to fight in the war, too. Look, here's one. Uh, you know, and it was, so it was made to sort of boost the war effort by peddling this fiction that rich white people have to, have to fight as well. But do you think that they were really trying to keep it quiet? I think they were in cahoots with the media for a while. You think that they were? You, th you think they sent him there and just didn't want to tell anybody about it? Like a whole, uh, where am I going? Uh, you're going someplace fun. Well, uh, they, they thought something might happen by now. No, they thought that maybe by now things would have, you know, things would have just uh, worked themselves out. So he says uh, no one knew his identity for three months. As you saw on the patrol today, just walking around some of the locals or the AMP, they haven't got a clue. They wouldn't know um, um, the um, interpreters, and they haven't got a clue. Sit down, have a chat with them, have a cigarette with them. So yeah, cigarettes. No, he had a cigarette. He smokes. You <laughs> see, he's he's one of the he's one of the regular Tommies. Uh, so, but that's also not true, clearly, because if he's there, like he's not there with American troops, he's there with British troops, right? Right. Now, whether he looks like his dad or not, which he doesn't, his I'm sorry. Oh, Mom. Whether he looks like his alleged dad or not, that's not really... Uh, no, he's recognizable. Yeah, that's something. The idea that no one would recognize him is just not plausible. That's like saying uh, that nobody would rec uh, recognize like one of the Bush twins or something, although that's not even the right example because he's much more famous than that. That's like saying no one would recognize Chelsea Clinton. That's what it is. It's like saying that no one, that Chelsea Clinton could just walk among people and no one would recognize who she is, which is, is, is completely unbelievable. So for him to say that he's just, you know, out having a smoke with the boys like one of the common men, uh, that's just a little bit of a load is what that is. Elsewhere in Britain, people are still talking about that big earthquake there. A man suffered a broken pelvis when a chimney collapsed on top of him. Uh, David Bates uh, suffered the broken pelvis when he was pinned under the chimney in his attic bedroom. His father heard a loud bang, and then his son screamed, Dad! My pelvis is crushed. <laughs> wow, he didn't scream that, did he? I felt like the roof was going to fall in. There were people coming out of the outside with their dressing gowns, How wondering old? what was going on. How old is he? Nineteen. He'll recover. With a crushed pelvis. There's a, mm -hmm. Sarah and I both. That's a thing. That well, they have to... socialized medicine. You don't have to wait in line with a crushed pelvis there. <laughs> They'll take the right away. I don't it's think you like can. America. I don't think you can stand in line with a crushed pelvis <laughs> anywhere, Tim. <laughs> I'm just going to slouch in line here. Um, 
that that cuts across all gender lines because Sarah and I both kind of cried. Went wow. Yeah. That's a, a crushed pelvis is a bad thing to have. Yeah, I mean, see, were you and I talking about this? We knew a woman had gave birth and had a fractured pelvis because of the whole deal. That's, no. Yeah, that's no good. Oh. Babies have strength. I've, I've, no, I've, um, I've never heard of the fractured pelvis. I've heard of, like, the tearing. There's some tearing that goes on. Yeah. Uh, all right. A crushed pelvis. And it sounded like a train with an enormous roar, which earthquakes do sound like. Jesus. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, things are uh, getting safer in these United States. More than one in every 100 adults in America now lives behind bars. Well done. Uh, what does this report indicate, anyway? It tells us that getting tough on criminals has gotten tough on taxpayers. For all this increased spending on corrections, we're not seeing enough reduction in crime. Yes, we are. Keep keep it up. <laughs> I want it two in every hundred. Spewing your liberal second. nonsense. That's it. All right. Yes, this is a, uh, let's see here. Uh, Florida has a huge population behind bars, nearly 100. Where, Tim? Florida. That was me. That was totally me. All right. That was who? Me. 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 In Florida, the prison population has tripled in the past 20 years. Florida's about to join the, the 100,000 club, having uh, one of the they get a gold with 100,000 people behind bars. Well, that's because Castro keeps opening up his prison. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, uh, let's see. Prisons reduce crime, but at what cost, we ask? There's no question that having more people behind bars has helped reduce the, the violent crime rate sure in has. Florida. No question about that yeah, at all. No, no people And people do want violent and career criminals behind bars, but they don't want to spend $24,000 on a prison cell for minor offenders and violators any more than they want to pay for a bridge to nowhere. I'm tired of that bridge choice. Where is the bridge? I don't understand it. I'm tired of that being brought up by people. Seriously, that's the one in Salmon Creek, isn't that the Klein Line bridge that people keep trying to drive off of? No, no, no. That's the one in Alaska. But you know, it does go somewhere. People are this bridge to nowhere, but I'm pretty sure that bridge actually goes somewhere. But it's become some jackhole thing for idiot politicians to say, like as opposed to one of those big green signs, bridge to nowhere. Yeah, this way. Bridge to nowhere sounds like some sort of bad. Bridge to nowhere sounds like a like a. Like a bad record that, like, James Blunt would put out. This is about Barbara Streisand pornography. Hello? I guess not. All right. Uh, let's see. This is somebody's angry at us about the bicycle story. Hello. Jesus. What is going on? I don't know. Hi. Uh, who is this? Yeah, hi. This is Mike. Hi. I, haven't been, I haven't been screened, but this was about the uh, rifleman type stuff. All right. Uh, basically, it is it, about the old... Like toy guns, you used to be able to get copies of those. Uh, I think it was Mattel mainly had the lock on everything like that from all the old cowboys. Oh, yeah, no, guns up until about the the mid-'80s, you could buy incredibly realistic uh, yeah, and they, replicas. They yeah. had they had old, uh, and they used to do them like in silver plate, yeah, I mean, you know, actual metal. And they uh, There was one show where the guy actual, actually had a big cowboy buckle with a Derringer on it that when he hit a, hit a button... The Derringer flipped out and popped a shot off. That's fantastic. Well, they, they sold they sold those in the stores, and it popped. You know, it just it was a cap gun. And it would pop a cap when it did that, and you just pushed it back in and locked in. You know, I really do. That is a thing that I'm glad I got to partake in as a child. That I didn't have to buy fluorescent orange guns like some yeah. nabby ass. Yeah. But yeah. I remember as a child, you could go to when we used to be sent to the store to buy cigarettes for our parents. <laughs> what, one Thank of the you, great sir. toys they had as a kid was a real hatchet. And there was a picture of an Indian on it, too. 
Perfect for scalping the white man. Um, the uh, well, you know, I and again, I did that thing too. Where it wasn't my uh, my parents, it, my dad occasionally, but my grandmother would send me to the store to buy smokes for her all the time. Do you remember what brand of cigarettes you were sent to buy? Marlboro One Hundreds. My grandmother would, uh, my dad would send me to the store to buy Salem's and sometimes Salem Lights. Uh, and my grandmother would send me to the store to buy, I think they were Winston's, but I might be wrong about that. Uh, but she would give me the note. And it was just plainly illegal even then, yeah. but a thing that you just, it was a simpler time. And it would be a note saying, like, you never had to do that for anybody, Sarah. No. Yeah, no, your parents don't smoke, though, probably. No, my and yeah, my parents don't smoke, and a lot of my friends' parents don't smoke. My friend Tanea's mom smoked, though, Becky, and she would smoke Caprice. Totally. And it was a, like, a, my grandmother would write the note, like, this, you know, I am sending my grandson, you know, Richard, to buy cigarettes for me. Please give him a pack of Winston's. And then she'd give me however much. Um, but the, the toy hatchet. I remember that too, and I remember uh, when Richard I was an Indian on it. And I, uh, one, one of those, was some of that. Hey, Richie, by the way, we're going to be done with the gun calls by now. It's like really, there's only so many rifleman calls we can take, so we're going to move off on KCMD Portland. Where, are we half done with today's show? Well, it's on Encore Westerns if you want to watch it every Yeah, Richie, we're going to move off of the rifleman right now, so we'll uh, we'll make way for make way for Barbara Streisand porn calls. Um, anyway, blah 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 blah. Toy toy hatchet. Da, 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 da. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, here's somebody you don't want to hear about, but unfortunately, we'll get this over with quickly. Ralph Nader has chosen uh, longtime California political activist Matt Gonzalez to run uh, with him as the vice president. I find Matt Gonzalez to be unwavering in his principles. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Ember, please done. go away. <laughs> um, Rick, I remember seeing in an old Hustler magazine, they had a small paragraph. Boy, Hustler magazine. You want to talk about, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. It's not. I'm not opposed to uh, the female form or to nudity or pornography in any way. Far from it. Along with a trunk full of guns, that's what makes us American. Trunk full of guns and a box full of hustlers. Um, but hustlers, you, you talk about a magazine that's really just unbelievably sleazy. And I know that that's kind of their thing. I know that Larry Flint's thing is, is to put out a product that is unashamedly just sort of horrible. Um, but anyway, he says, in an old hustler magazine... They had a small paragraph about Connors indeed being in a gay skin uh, skin flick back uh, done back in the day. He said they had a still from the video. <laughs> this is really funny. He says they had a still from the video with an obviously young Chuck Connors with his head shaved, leaning back and being, you know, serviced. They said the movie was just called Chuck. Could possibly be found in the Hustler archives. Signed by, you know, uh, I'm not going to go rooting around in the Hustler archives if it's all the same to you, sir. Freaking get the elbow length gloves. Uh, well, we'll just wait for somebody else out there who is also a hustler enthusiast to confirm or deny. It'll be dropped off at the front desk by two. Seriously, you know that's totally the thing too, Dave. Um, somebody dropped off an old box of hustler magazines for you and a Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris, Chuck Connors porn film. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, did you know that clothes lines can solve this country's energy crisis? Yes. No. Uh, lawmakers in Connecticut are supporting a bill. That would stop the government from prohibiting the use of clotheslines. They could actually save this country. Drying your clothes saves money, saves energy, reduces fossil fuel use, reduces your greenhouse gas emissions, makes your clothes fresher, makes your clothes last longer because <laughs> really? they're not subject to the wear in a tumble dryer. Is this dryer. our government at work yeah, talking about how to make your clothes fresher? Everyone should use a clothesline. The uh. purpose of this bill is to say our priorities now, given the energy These crisis the that we're facing, is that people should be allowed to dry their clothes outside. These are our priorities.
I don't understand. Yeah, people don't where, mind paying four dollars for gas. Where do people? Where are people not allowed to use clotheslines? It says uh, here Connecticut, and and the drying season is only two months out of the year anyway. <laughs> I'm really. Are they taking time to outlaw clotheslines? Apparently, some people want to put an end to them. You know, I got to tell you, as dorky and as sort of Norman Rockwell as this sounds, I don't believe uh, they're allowed in my neighborhood either. The really? I don't think so. Even in a backyard, as long as you're not seen from the street. But, but I mean, what if they're seen from an adjacent yard? Like, what if no. you're in your backyard and you can see over into the next guy's yard and he's got a clothesline? If you're on a balcony, that doesn't count. But street level, if you're walking, you can't see what's in somebody's backyard. But I'm saying, what if you are in your backyard and you look into your neighbor's backyard? Oh, you can't see because there are fences there. Oh, really? How high are your fences? They're like 50, high. 50 feet high? It's <laughs> like, a wall of China in your back to keep out the Mongols. What, really? Yeah, the fences are high. I know that we I know that we make this statement a lot on the show, but really you and, and the wrought iron fences, the wrought iron gates in the front, so people just can't walk up to your house. With a big button that releases the hounds, um, you know, I, I, you and I just have such different lives and just such different houses and homes. Yeah, we all come together in this program. It is we? or no? It's a big tent here. We do. It's every walk of life represented. I'm just saying. Uh, as impossibly Norman Rockwell as this sounds, uh, I really do one of the one of the, the, the fond memory of my childhood. There was my mom uh, hanging clothes in the backyard. We had a clothesline in the backyard, and mom uh, hanging the laundry in the dirty breeze like that Paul Simon song. Yes, exactly my like that Tom. actually. And you know what? And you you know what? When you're a kid, that that, that is kind of cool. And then, of course, I went through a period when I was a teenager mm-hmm. uh, where I was kind of embarrassed by it because I thought it was trashy uh, because my uh, my friends would uh, – I saw that arch eyebrow – because my friends would come over and I would sort of be embarrassed because I think my mom looked like a hick, uh, you know, hanging up clothes. But then, you know, now as an adult, I realized how kind of how kind of cool it was because uh, I don't know if she did it to save money or why. I think she just did it because that's how, that's how she, it was done when she was growing up. Uh, but whatever it is, well, but it is, she's helped save the environment. It's kind of a, it was kind of a cool sort of picturesque kind of a, you know, American thing, like being in my own little Mellencamp video. Um, uh, looking at these phones, reconsidering, deciding again. She's one of random. Here's Tim Riley. Really? Sure. Okay, we've got. Let's talk to some folks. All right. Well, you know, before we do that, let's do this. Let's. Oh, uh, the Welcome down to the Rick Emerson Show, our intrepid PA, Richie Bristol. Hello, Richie, and how are you today? Good. Hi, how's life? How are things? Okay. Your hair looks good today. Oh, it does? Yeah, it does. You spend mm-hmm. extra time on your hair today? Uh, I took a shower today. I hope he's not hung over today. That's I was going to say, he's watching Lost. <laughs> Sarah didn't take a shower. It's a... It, Really? Did you just tattle on the fact that Sarah didn't take a I shower? How do you know that? Here's the whole thing. Richie <laughs> just pointed at her. Richie looked at me, and then he pointed at Sarah and goes, Sarah didn't take a shower. <laughs> All right. I already told her I didn't take a shower because I'm riding my bike, and it's freezing with, you know, riding with wet. Sarah and I were together for a long time. We've been down this road many times. It, uh, where but I we... shall be showering after the show because I have plans tonight. Maybe don't wait, but we don't bathe as often <laughs> as some, Richie. But... I can't believe you just called me out like that, Richie. <laughs> we bathe when it's necessary. All right? We bathe, and there's a reason. Uh, we're saving water. It's, you know. It's our um, part for the planet. Yes, exactly. Um, so, okay. Uh, I'm looking at these. So, this guy is what? Uh, Bridge to Newer. He wants to call about He's talking about that. Yeah. Is he there at this moment? Probably not. Mm-hmm. What is this guy calling about? It just says guns, truck, load. A truckload of guns. Oh. Pulled over somewhere news. I don't know. Mm. All right. What is this guy calling about? Phil Henry. What does he want to know about <laughs> Phil Henry? 
Uh, he said he was Long tuning forgotten. in. <laughs> he said he was tuning in and he heard it. Where? On us. Well, that's, I don't think you can tune no. in and hear Phil Andre anywhere now. Oh, okay, that's you can remember he came back to the radio. Oh, I don't know that he's on. Well, his pickup went dropped. Uh, no, he's, I mean, well, he's, well, I don't want to, uh, it would be, it would be wrong. I don't want to certainly be like, I'm, I'm dense. No, no, no. I just like, I don't want to be like, I'm knocking on the show. I'm just saying like I, he was gone and then I guess he came back, but it was sort of, it's sort of, the show sort of escaped. Like, you know, some shows are released, some, some shows escape. I think that one was just sort of let out when nobody was looking. Uh, and then this guy is what? Oh, uh, I don't know. Nothing. All right. I have so, something I was going to ask you, though, but what was it? I, I brought you in here for some other reason. Oh, so tomorrow, uh, you know, we every fourth caller who gets on the air uh, is going to be winning a pair of passes to 10,000 B.C. Uh-huh. You are aware of that. Every fourth caller that, every gets, fourth on caller that gets on the air. Not every fourth caller, not every fourth call uh, that you pick up. It is every fourth caller that gets on the air. On the phone? Just get closer to the microphone. The okay. Right. We're done. There. Thank uh, you. Goodbye. Okay, bye. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. I just want to weigh in on the uh, the guns in the truck thing. Um, uh, really? Honestly? I thought we weren't taking any more guns. Really? I thought we were so done. With, uh, no offense, sir. I thought oh, we were oh, so done oh. with a truck full of gun calls. Yes. No, I just wanted to uh, uh, tell you guys what the Oregon State Code says about that. There's there's nothing illegal about it. Um, usually, they, the the cops like you to be going to or from hunting or the range or something like that. But I mean, it's not illegal though. I could just say oh, that no, I, no, no, no. I feel safe when I have them with me. Well, you're not supposed to conceal them. You, you know, you don't want to throw a blanket over them or something like that, because that constitutes a concealed weapon. Right, but if I just, get in trouble. But if, I mean, they open my trunk and I've just got 50 guns in there, as long as I've got permits, there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, you don't even have to have permission. As long as you're legal firearms owner, you can have as many as you want in your Excellent. trunk. See, but I really, and I do mean this sincerely, that is one of those things that makes this country great. Yeah, exactly. That's what per, uh, the, the founding fathers in power. All That's right. what made this country. It is true. No, there's an entire country built on guns, sir. Exactly. All right. Thank you, my friend. Certainly. <laughs> oh, there you go. Wow. Everyone's gone crazy. Seriously, today. everybody, and it's like, it, just when I told Richie to leave just now, it was because Richie was, he, he was like a foot away from the microphone, and Sarah kept doing the universally understood gesture for, get close to the microphone. And Richie, like, and in turn, would get further away and stare at her with his, like, uncomprehending gaze. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. A woman went on a rampage at a car dealership, ramming 22 cars. A Mormon in... went on a rampage? A woman. Oh. A mar... well, okay. She might have been a woman. A woman went on a rampage at a car dealership and banned ramming 22 vehicles early this morning and got away before police could stop her. It happened at the Kendall Auto Group. The suspect stole a vehicle from the car dealership parking lot and began crashing that stolen vehicle into cars that were parked for sale. The stolen vehicle eventually became stuck between two other vehicles in the parking lot, and then the woman ran away. I wonder how they knew it was a woman. That's a good question, actually. Maybe a security camera or something? Oh, that could be. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Please don't be talking about guns. Okay. What, what's the radio station again here? What? Is this KCMD Portland? <laughs> yes, it is. Uh-huh. Okay, great. Um, I wanted to say the bridge to nowhere thing. A little callback, Yes. Um, pleased to be playing uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Road to Nowhere, on uh, KCMD. See, doesn't Bridge to Nowhere sound uh, like the name of uh, 
it, it would be like some bad, like a like a Gordon Lightfoot album or something. You know what I mean? It, it sounds like a mistake on MapQuest. Totally, totally. Or 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 how about this? Uh, like like an expansion pack or something for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Ah uh, yes, that would like be at, good. like you like it comes right after Temple of Elemental Evil. I really don't know the the D and D. I'm I'm a little on the Guitar Hero right now. All right, I'm sorry. Uh, you, which, which Guitar Hero are you playing? Well, I have been playing Legends of Rock most recently, and then my girlfriend uh, turned around and bought me the other three. So I have the Encore '80s and the One and Two. But I keep going back to that Legends of Rock. Now, is Legends of Rock is not the one that has that Dragon Force song on it. I don't know. I think it's. I think Guitar Hero Three has that Dragon Force song, which is like the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. You'll know it when you get to it. It's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty unbelievable. Is it down towards the bottom? Yeah, I believe so. I'm not like much of a Guitar Hero guy because I suck at that game. And the, the, and here's the thing about about me and video games. You got to know, um, that it, some guys will play a video game or they you know, they enjoy just for the sort of just for the fun of the game, even if it's not really good. And it's not like I have to win constantly, but if I'm bad at a video game, it, it, it starts to make me too angry after a while and I have to quit playing it. So if there's a game at which I just flat out suck, there's going to be a finite amount of time during which I can play that game before I just have to, like, before I have to stop. You know what I mean? And I am bad at Guitar Hero. I have no Guitar Hero skills at all. Are you... Which guitar hero are you enjoying right now? I'm enjoying none of them. I don't. Oh, I see. That's and that's the reason. The reason I own none of. I, I've played enough Guitar Hero, uh, sort of with friends or other places, uh, to know that I don't have any skills. And I'm really. You can only mold, you know, the clay you're given. And I have zero talent in that game with which to uh, to work. So I uh, I've opted not to spend any money on that. Well. It's a fine game. All right. Um, if you if you can, well, you could keep the beat of the songs that you know. I think that um, the Legends of Rock it seems to be easier than some of the others because they've evolved it. So the two uh, strokes make more sense, I guess. Yes. So. All right. Thank you, sir. We have to go now. You know what would be really great is if we could combine that with a rifleman call, like like a rifleman game. You know, Rick, they have Guitar Hero rifleman now. We're, uh, okay, here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Hello. Yeah, hello. <laughs> this just in. It's a no <laughs> this just in. Yes. This just in. Oh, is this? Oh, uh, yes, Jesus, yes, I'm yes. sorry. I was distracted by the fact that Queen's right just walked by the studio. Wait, hold on. Uh, I know, I totally saw them. <laughs> I, I, I see them right now. Who's, who's Queen right? I, uh... She's Queen Latifah's cousin. Oh. I uh, I knew that uh, I knew they were going to be in here. the hallway. Yeah, I knew they were going to be here, and then I forgot about it. Uh, and then I just saw uh, Queensrÿche walk by the. Uh, here we go. This just in. The judge has just thrown the book of the man who made his kids steal from the tennis-born Target. The Irritant dad, convicted of using his kids to steal thousands of dollars of merchandise, met the full wrath of the judge and will serve the maximum of 19 months in jail. Adam Brown and his companion, Amber, were behind a scheme to have their 14-year-old child and 9-year-old child, both girls, walk out of the department store shopping carts full of merchandise without paying. Only one girl is Brown's daughter. This is very complicated, so apparently these people aren't married and have kids or whatever. So the judge said, you blew it. I told you exactly what was going to happen, and you chose not to be here, apparently. He uh, didn't show up and said he had uh, uh, an emergency to attend. He had to go to the hospital. But he had no documentation to prove that. You are the worst excuse of a parent there can be, snarled the judge. 
You don't care. The only person you care about is you. You don't care about the, anybody else. The only thing you care about is what you want at the moment. The two kids were caught at the ticket store in Tannisport back in October. More than $2,000 in electronics. Uh, Brown missed his previous court appearance was sentencing because he was at a hospital, he said. A tactic the judge said Brown apparently used me for. I can barely... <laughs> it's like you reached some, you reached some apoplectic level of rage right there where your body couldn't even conjure up the right sound. In addition sounds. to the 19-month term, Brown has to take parenting classes. Before he sees his daughter again, he cannot go to Target or Fred Meyer. He's got to kick him out of tennis board. Uh, he cannot go shopping with a minor until his probation ends. Mr. Brown, you've got an absent daughter. I'm sorry, this is Mrs. a terrible joke. Mr. It's the Brown, best you've got do. a thieving daughter. Okay, well, there, okay, there you go. Okay, sorry. See, I should have done that. Where instead. do parenting classes take place? And who teaches them? I don't... Re that's a good question, question actually. Barbara Billingsley and Hugh Bowman. <laughs> the, um, and by the way, anytime you're reading a news story where someone is described as being someone else's partner, uh, or I'm not a partner, but a uh, 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 companion here, yeah. it's always a crime. It's always well, bad look news. look at this guy. Tell this me this guy... His companion... Doesn't have the gene pool of a... Uh, <laughs> of, of, of a Clam. <laughs> Look at him. Wow. Jesus. That, that guy has uh that guy has just that guy just has dumb written all over him. I mean that's a that's just sort of a you know what that guy says a lot? That that? that guy says a lot of things like, you know, me want. That's what he says. And he, he sort of <laughs> grunts at things and then he draws cave paintings. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Alright. And he has a and he has a, a companion and a daughter. Yeah. It's like that toilet the baby toilet woman the other day. Yeah. Who already had some kids. Two different times she's had sex, at least, I mean, that we know of. Mm -hmm. Some guy looked at that and went, no, 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 uh, I'm all over it. Give me that. Jesus. It's like, you know, we were talking about Jim Neighbors the other day. No knock on Jim Neighbors. But well, he, you... he wouldn't steal things from Tennis Board Target. No, probably oh, not. Or get a St. Helens girl pregnant. But you do wonder You do wonder about the romantic life of Jim Neighbors. It's like I, use, it's like I used to wonder about Don Knotts. You know, Don Knotts has children. Don, but I mean, isn't that weird that the fact that Don Knotts, who is dead, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That Don Knotts, at some point, somebody went, no, 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 Don Knotts, I want to have sex with him. And on the show, he wasn't even allowed to use the bullet. He no, had to keep it in his pocket. He had to keep it in his pocket. But in uh, the civilian time, I guess he was. Oh, Jesus, God. All right, so uh, so there you go. So uh, justice comes to Tannisborn, finally. Yes. All right. As it should be. Uh Boy, I'm so reluctant to take any of these calls. Yeah. I don't mean any disrespect. I don't mean any disrespect to the audience, but that gun conversation was really great. But can we all agree on something? The first guy out of the shoot on that, which is the lawyer, the guy who's going to law school, was you know entertaining, funny, summed it all up, gave us the answer to everything, and then every gun call after that was less interesting than the one before. We we peaked early with that gun conversation, and then that last guy started with something or other, and then it devolved into a big. Uh, a big guitar hero conversation, and it's like the more he spoke, the further I could see Tim slipping into some sort of coma. Um, because really, and even I recognize this, I love me some video games, but really, mm -hmm. the, a long discussion of a video game on the air, especially a video game that is almost it is entirely based around holding a plastic guitar, there's really so only so much excitement one can ring out of that, like in a phone call. Uh, hi, you're on the, and nobody really does that with anything else. Like, there aren't really... It, video games are sort of unique in that way with this demographic. Like, nobody ever calls up and wants to re relate, like, a great game of Monopoly or something that they played. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. You just gave me a great idea for blending the two, though. Yes. You could you can use Guitar Hero to make a, a gay porn soundtrack. Wow. Please to explain. Or not. I mean, do we want to... No. 
Explain. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks. <laughs> That's, I think we're going to be done. There's just I don't even know where he how he would get out of that one. That's just sort of a thing he put out there that I think had no uh, there was no further to go with that. Mm. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, due to their concern about their son uh, fighting on the front line in Afghanistan, Prince Charles and his new wife Camilla Parker Bowles are set to visit the Caribbean on a cruise as part of their spring tour. They'll visit the islands of Tobago, St. Lucia, Montserrat, and Jamaica. Uh, the prince has chosen a yacht instead of flying to reduce his carbon footprints. It appears that the guys have the upper hand on the American Idol program, while Simon Cole only dishes out three negative reviews for the guys yesterday, or was it Tuesday? Uh, last night he judged up twice that number for the ladies. He dishes out some uh, criticism with their performance. The truth is, you're not that good a singer. I was put off as soon as you started it. It was like you're in your own little world with actually quite an ugly song. It's almost as if your grandmother prepared you for this audition. You were in tune, out of tune, you looked uncomfortable with it. You've just got to find the right song. And that one million percent was the wrong one. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Timmy Ryan. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's hey, it going today? What, what's up? Hey, I was just wondering if you if you wanted those Jim Neighbors records. Please tell me you have them. Uh, my mom does. She has all of them. Really? Now, I think was it so, so, you're saying your aunt or somebody had Jim Neighbors records? Who? No, I think my parents had some. They had the, uh, the like Christmas the, album. The Christmas album. They got it yeah. when they bought snow tires. <laughs> and there were like the many moods of Jim Neighbors that you would get when, yeah. like, when you subscribe to like uh, Women's Week or something. So, yeah. uh, how, so she has many. Are they on vinyl? Uh, they're all in vinyl, and she still plays them on her record player. She still has the old 1960s TV console. Yeah, excellent. With the TV in the middle and the record player on one side and the stereo on the other. And does it does it have the thing where it lifts up on the top to access the the, the radio and the record player? Yeah. That's so cool. I where that was that? an entertainment center back then. There really was. Well, it they had one a piece of furniture. And I think that Atomic Age thing, the uh, the GI Dream, they had one mm -hmm. of those, and it had like the weird uh, lever in the middle to add reverb to everything. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I really don't know how many Jim record uh, Jim Neighbors records we really need. Maybe if he has some sort of a greatest hits or a compilation of some kind, oh, that well. might uh, that might hold yeah. us. Yeah, I could I could get the uh, holiday records, and I'll have to be subjected to them every Christmas when I go over. <laughs> Is that the sort of thing that you are subjected to? When you go to see her, uh, this is your mom? Yeah. How old is mom now? 67. That's not that old. What the, What would you say are the three holiday records that she plays the most when you go to see her? Uh, Jim Neighbors, uh, Holiday Collection, I think is the name of it. Uh-huh. Disco Christmas. Please tell me that that, that Disco Christmas has, is the one with Ethel Merman singing Silent Night. Yes. Oh, uh, really? Yes. So it's the Disco Christmas and it, it, this... But, I mean, is your mom, she's too old to be playing it ironically, right? Uh, she bought it. Uh, my brother was in the disco at the time, and he left it, and she liked it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, with that we have to have a copy of. And uh, the Elvis Christmas uh, album. Oh, of course. No, that's a that's a classic. Everybody has that. All right. Yeah, please, yeah, when you get a chance, you uh, you make us a copy of that, or uh, however, however you want to handle it. We would, uh, we'd love to have that, sir. Okay. Thank you, yeah. my friend. You bet. There you go. Wonderful. Excellent. Here's Tim Riley. Well, the mayor of Vancouver has admitted the coup isn't as good as Portland. Uh, he made his annual State of the City address at the Hilton Vancouver Convention Center. He claims Portland has amenities that we will never be able to provide. In a big way, Portland defines us. We bask in their sun and we are darkened by the same clouds. 
I want to emphasize our relationship with Portland is a strong one. Uh, Mayor Potter is a good friend to our community. In fact, he was the first to call after the tornado touched down. So, uh, yeah, I guess he likes Vancouver, but it, he admits it's not as good as Portland. <laughs> this is somebody the state of the city trying to stay. Really? <laughs> well, how sad. If the state of your city's address is to say, well, we're not really as good as that city over there, but... Uh, what can you do? The end. <laughs> but he admits that Vancouver has a separate identity from Portland. What is the separate? I well, okay, whatever. whatever that means. I'll just, I'll just sort of assume. You know, I realize I don't really care that much. All right, fantastic. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, uh, you keep making uh, references to Tim's, uh, Tim's voice. It's, it doesn't sound as bad now as it did on the podcast. No, it's a. Uh, no, this is not. Yeah, this no, is like half um, of what. And this last is. Time was. Yeah, yeah. The, the, you're much now, Tim. Did they give you the same amount of? Well, first of all, did you have the same amount of work done this time, or was it no, less? No, I just had the, uh, the new two. I had the temporary one taken off and the new one put in. So the, it was done in a fraction of the time. The first one, the first procedure took an hour and a half. This took forty-five minutes. And you don't sound nearly as, uh, as uh, whatever, anesthetized or whatever. Well, I'm gonna have one done more often. Yeah, it's, it's not near as bad now as it was. I'm, I'm on the podcast, so I'm hearing what was happening like you know two and a half hours. Yeah, ago the beginning whatever. of the show, you know, you sound much better than then, but even then, it didn't sound as bad as it did the last time. Yeah, the last time I, was, or maybe the last time we were just not not prepared for it. This time we kind of for, uh, we uh, girded ourselves. He sounds like or, or uh, uh, things to make him say, and and I keep thinking you mentioned the Mark, the the movie that always comes to mind for me is in Blazing Saddles. There's that old prospector that nobody can understand. And then he's, and then he's, now who can argue with that? I'm particularly glad that these lovely children were here to hear that today. Not only was it authentic frontier gibberish, but it exhibited a courage little seen in this day and age. That's the one. That's yeah. the, I'm going to listen to the podcast, and that's all. That's what I'm hearing on the news God, all morning. God damn, I'm lame. All right, thank you. There you go. Fantastic. What are we made of? All right, here's Tim Riley. Michael Jackson is getting some financial help to deal with a foreclosure notice on Neverland Ranch. A source close to the pop star who says that the ranch will not go to the auction block claims the financial details are being worked out. And there are plenty of lenders willing to work with Michael Jackson. No, there aren't. And so he says the real estate market is in a very bad way right now, and Jackson's being uh, affected just like many other Americans. He's just like you. <laughs> just just like me. Yes, until uh, March 19th to pay off the deed on the Neverland Ranch, or it'll be auctioned off. It reportedly owes more than $24.5 million. He'll get a consolidation loan of some kind. <laughs> maybe, he can, maybe he'll spot him at the payday loans place. Jesus. All right, let's do a couple more, then we'll break. We'll come back with Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Well, let's talk about how you can improve your bowels. <laughs> okay. Uh, researchers have found that chewing gum helps the bowels work properly. Uh, they studied 102 patients' bowels and gave half of them five pieces of gum to chew after they had operations. The people in the chewing group regained their bowel function significantly faster than those who did not. Those who chewed gum were able to pass gas and have a bowel movement half a day sooner than those who did not chew gum. Is there more to this story? But more needs to be. There's a picture of a pretty lady blowing a bubble with really? earrings on. Really? How odd they didn't actually just have the picture of the pretty lady passing gas. I know. So how do they? Ah, uh, never mind. I was just going to say, how do they? Do they just rely on the patient's word for that? Well, or is there a thing that measures that, like the gas? Chewing gum stimulates muscles as well as the salivatory glands and liver. He said that uh, doctor said giving a patient uh, undergoing constructive surgery a piece of gum following their operation is the best thing they could do. In today's high-tech, molecular-driven scientific world, it's nice to know that gum can make life better for everyone. Oh, by the way, speaking of gum making life better for everybody, so yesterday I was complaining about 
how I can't find any gum that brushes my teeth and how that ought to exist at this point. Mm-hmm. So a guy sent me a link. He says, Rick, I could have sent you this earlier, but I was in a bit of a cough syrup coma. Uh, worst cold ever. He says, you were asking why the Japanese haven't invented a gum that will brush your teeth. They have. I've got, I should have guessed it. Yeah. Uh, he says, check out the attached picture. It's called No Time. Uh, if you haven't, I highly suggest you take a trip to Beaverton uh-huh, and check out the Asian superstore called uh, Uh He says, that's where my wife found the gum. It's full of all sorts of interesting items. The store, I imagine. Uh, some wonderful, some scary. Their ramen noodle selection is huge. Worth checking out. Uh, and then he sent me a picture of said, you know, I can say Asian stores really are fascinating. Uh, because it's, it is all, you know, like if you compare like the average uh, Asian supermarket or whatever to like a, like a Safeway or something, it's sort of, it's similar, but it's just different enough to be really, really compelling and sort of weird. Uh, there is a place up the street, and as the sign in front, this is what the sign in front says, the sign in front just says Oriental Grocery. Uh, and that is where I go to buy a ginger whenever I have a cold or the flu or whatever. Let me ask you this. People say cold and flu symptoms, and then you get a flu shot or you get a whatever. How do you know if you have a cold or the flu? Oh, I don't know. I suppose the symptoms are different, aren't they? I don't believe so, but I don't think so because well, they the say... the flu comes with, like, body aches and... But they say cold and flu symptoms. So we're implying that the symptoms are the same thing. Probably either or. Well, because they probably have additional stuff, like it will work for a cold, but maybe also something to deal with body aches as well. How does one know? Flu. So... If you if you are feeling run down or under the weather, you have any of those symptoms, how do you know whether you've got a cold or the flu? Because don't they treat them differently? Well, if it's cold and flu, probably not. But I don't think you get the cold. This is one of those conferences. This, see, this is one of those things. I don't think you get a cold and the flu. It seems like it's a you either have a cold or you have the flu. And so my question is, if they're treated different, if they're two different things, how do you know which one you've got? Maybe they put all of the medication needed for both of the things into the medicine, so it's there. So if you have the flu, you can take it. If you have a cold, then it doesn't really matter if it's there This is one of those times when you just want the question to go away. Yeah. I can tell. Uh, by the way, here's a picture of the no-time gum. This is fascinating. So it, it, it's a, uh, it looks like it's regular chewing gum, and there's, it says no-time, it's all one word, and then there's a big picture of a toothbrush on the front of it. All right, I totally have to seek this out so I can use it. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Later on, more from Tim Riley. Uh, glorious Bastard of the Week. Uh, and uh, other stuff. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. I'm glad we took a break there. You're right. I did have to go use a tissue. It's just, I mean, what can you do? What can you do? I got a whole congestion. Like, from the neck up, I'm just useless. Like, more so than normal. I got this whole can Sarah and I went to the break just now, and Sarah said, Rick, I need to get you some tissues because you're grossing me out with your nose thing. And the deal is that I no, have... No, I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm not saying that you're gross. I understand that everyone has cold. I, I wanted to make sure because we all have our like little ticks, and I just wanted to make sure that one wasn't going to get incorporated. That it doesn't become a mannerism like when I pick dust off the counter? Mm-hmm. Pick dust off the counter, do a weird nose-sniffing thing off mic. <laughs> I, because we're all in one room, the only, other, the only alternative I have is to turn off my mic and blow my nose, which would still then go over the air because you guys would hear it. So I would be in the background going... 
And, like, no one wants that. That's a bad. Uh, in a moment, we'll talk to Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Uh, I'm looking at this uh, this guy, uh, let's see, uh, Thomas Decker, who I guess is on uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I've never watched, by the way. I don't know if it's any good or not. Uh, but I'm looking, apparently he was, uh, I was caught, uh, I don't know, he's caught stoned or drunk or something on some video. But I'm, he looks just like, remember when Garth Brooks did that Chris Gaines thing? He looks just like Chris Gaines here. So there's that. Um, and I guess uh, we, there's a little bit of Hulk Hogan scandal we're going to talk about. And then I'm looking at the cover of the new, uh, the upcoming Inquirer, and it says, Rachel Ray's secret divorce file. And I, with Rachel Ray, I have this whole thing where she alternately sort of irritates me, and uh, and but at the same time, I find her kind of hot. So, anyway, so we'll talk to uh, Dorothy Carcassari about that in a few. Glorious Bastard of the Week uh, coming up. Uh, we have, it is High Concept Thursday, so we'll try to get to that. Uh, let's, we almost need like another, like an, like an HD channel just to get to all of this crap every day. TMZ has a great question that they asked today. It's a great, a great sort of theoretical question, so we'll get to that. But before we do anything else, let's get to, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What? Um, hey, guy, how are you? <laughs> I'm well, uh, well, except that I've been recovering from a cold. Probably the same kind of thing you had, but, yeah, I heard you talking about that no-time gum yeah. And Uwajimaya, that that is a hell of a place. That's really cool. You should go there. Like, uh, there's a restaurant there, and uh, there's a book store that I go to with my friends a lot. You know, to get my anime and like my comics and stuff there. Um, well, but that they also tentacle they also porn doesn't a, make itself. Yes. They also have a black black gum, and black black is uh, it's caffeine gum. And uh, I got one one time. It was like an eleven dollar. You know, on TV, how they're selling like that big pack of like Orbitz gum. Yes. Imagine one of those for uh, caffeine gum, and there's just like hundreds and hundreds of pieces of black caffeine, like little chiclet thing. Is it is it good? What does it taste like? Um, just kind of mint gum. Here's, would you share my assessment that when you go to like an Asian grocery, uh, you know, that it, it's sort of like you're seeing it is the closest thing I think to seeing food from the future. Or from or food from Star Trek. Let's put it that way, because so, it's like I felt this way when I was in San Francisco a couple of years ago, and my wife and I were walking through Chinatown. And you know, every city kind of has their Chinatown or their Asian, but I mean, Chinatown in San Francisco is like Chinatown. Yeah. I mean, it's like nowhere else. I mean, it is it is it is a world apart, and you do see it is again like like you're sort of in some sci-fi show because you see like at the fresh food market, you'll see fruits or vegetables or whatever, and like, you realize that they are fruits or vegetables from Earth, but you've never seen them and could not possibly ever identify them. You would have no way to know what they are. And then there's some woman buying a bag full to make a soup or something. So, you know? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And, like, some of the drink bottles that you see there, like, I saw this thing and it was a can. It was, like, the plastic that they use for a plastic bottle. But, uh, and it had the bottom of it and everything. So it's like, imagine if they just cut... Like a, a a soda bottle in half, but they slapped a can, a pop tab can lid on it. Yeah, it's uh, the whole thing is. I mean, it can be it can be really weird. So the, the gum though seems like that's an idea that's time has come. So yeah. I'm absolutely gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go find some of that. Oh, totally. All right, excellent, my friend. Thank All you right. so much. Later. All right, there you go. Thank you. All right, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, let's see if I can get this to uh, hold on. There we go. Is that working? All right. I found that in like four That's seconds good. while I was finishing a conversation with that guy, by the way. 
Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, I tried to hit the post and I failed. I never know where the vocal is on this song. From the National Enquirer, our good friend Dorothy Carcassari. Dorothy, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? I am Dandy. Let me ask you this question. Are you able to hear this music that we're playing in the background? Yes, I can. All right, there you go. We were having a, one of our correspondents earlier was not able to uh, hear the sound, and so we were trying to determine if that was a problem on our end or uh, or y'all's end. So it looks like it was just her. How's, <laughs> how's life? How are things? How's, uh, now, does the Enquirer have, I mean, probably dozens of offices, or is it just like a New York and L.A. thing? Uh, our main office is actually in Boca Raton, Florida, and then we have That's a bureau right. in New York and then a bureau in L.A. How do people get jobs at the Inquirer? I'm not asking because I want one. I mean, I'm saying, how does that, is that like an intern? Out the lottery. You've got to play the lottery. <laughs> no, I'm, no, just I'm, just, I'm just I never know how that works because while the Inquirer is a very, very reputable newspaper, and I put a lot of stock in it, um, the, it's not like, uh, you know, it, it's a different type of newspaper. So do you guys get interns at a journalism school, or how does that work? Yes, we do, actually. I mean, everyone has different a different start. I have a journalism degree, and I started out at People Magazine, and I've been at a couple other celebrity weeklies, and now here I am. Excellent, fantastic. Um, when you when you go when you meet somebody, uh, do you, if I may ask this, when you're like you know whatever you're out or you're at a party or something, do you go out of your way to either mention or not mention you work at the Inquirer? <laughs> because well, because, it, because people must just have, as soon as you say, I'm with the Inquirer, it must just be you get cornered by some guy who has like 500 questions about something. <laughs> so, sometimes. It depends on the situation. I'm usually pretty open about it. I say, I say it with a smile, and people are usually very receptive. Have you ever said it and have somebody just like read you the riot act? <laughs> uh, well, you know, you're always dealing with publicists in Hollywood and people who are cranky no matter where you work, so... You're always encountering, you know, somebody that's a little bit disgruntled that you're even in in this line of work. I was. Uh, did you ever get? To, have you ever had uh, a, a run-in with someone who was perhaps profiled in a way that they did not enjoy in the Inquirer? Um, I've had run-ins with celebrities over the years that I've been doing celebrity journalism. At one point or another, another where they've said they didn't really appreciate something that was written about them, but for the most part. They are intelligent people, and they know that it wasn't me personally. Right. You know, or you know, or if it was me personally, then they don't know. <laughs> they don't. They don't go. You're like, where's that Mike Walker live? I'm gonna give him what for. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, they're they're usually they're so used to this kind of thing, so they try to be kind of civil about it. So I don't have a copy of the upcoming issue in front of me, but I'm looking here at the website. Is it is the upcoming issue the one uh, with Rachel Ray on the front cover? Yes, it is. Okay. So I'm kind of strangely attracted to her. So of course <laughs> I follow all of the developments in her in her newly single life uh, with great interest uh so she had that whole thing where correct me if i'm wrong here is rachel ray had the whole thing where she was splitting up and her her husband was having some weird affair where he wanted women to spit on him or something have i got that right you did get that right All that right. was that was a story from a, a lot of issues ago but you got that right you have a good memory well i remember i i, I as uh, as my producer sarah might tell you i do have a a small list in my head of uh women whose careers i follow because i figure that once they're single you know it's like then my my chances increase by 50 percent so <laughs> so what is the latest with rachel ray well rachel ray is working on a secret divorce file so things are going to be happening pretty soon in her marriage to john cusimano you know they've been on the rocks for quite some time now and the inquirer's been just keeping up with this investigation of, you know, what exactly is going on with them. And uh, 
We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to wait and see. Uh, you're, this is our cover story this week, so I don't want to give too much away. Sure, sure. But but I do want to mention, since you mentioned the website, uh, did you see on the website this crazy drunken video? I did. The uh, the guy from the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Thomas Decker. Uh, did you get a chance to watch it? I didn't. I, I saw this here, and the first thing that leapt off the page to me was that this photo of him on National Enquirer. It's like when Garth Brooks did that Chris Gaines album or whatever a couple of years ago, where he's got that, like he's he's really desperately trying to look brooding and mysterious here, but I, he just kind of looks drunk. So yeah, 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 he definitely does, and he certainly acts it as well in the video. Um, so that's definitely something to to take a look at on our website. Cause it's, it's mildly entertaining. <laughs> and, the, uh, and the other thing, and I see that there's a little bit of a, there's a tease for this on the front of cover of the, the, the cover of the new issue that there's something with. And we've heard little bits and pieces of this. Something about Hulk Hogan. Uh, oh, yeah. This is a big story this week. Uh, it's actually going to be featured tonight on Access Hollywood. And basically, Hulk Hogan's mistress, a 33-year-old woman who actually was a friend of his 19-year-old daughter, has come forward to us and given us an exclusive interview about her apology for betraying her friend Brooke and betraying the whole Hogan family uh, because she was having an affair with Hulk Hogan while he was married to Linda. So he, so while he's married, he is then allegedly uh, getting it on with this woman who, is, who he meets through his daughter? Right. She, was, she once worked as an assistant at Brooks' record label. Right. And so they became friends that way. And, uh, and this heartfelt apology is, is really just um, very touching. I mean, she certainly acknowledges that she made a mistake and she apologizes to Brooke. And also, if you've seen, there's been reports online today that Brooke has acknowledged this uh, on her blog, I believe, uh, saying that she's really going through this hard time and, and, you know, that she asks all of her fans to keep her in their prayers. Well, all right then. So that and that comes out, uh, hits newsstands tomorrow, the new issue. Exactly. Excellent. Fantastic. All right. Uh, Dorothy, always a pleasure. Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. We will talk to you very soon, Dorothy. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you, Dorothy Carcassari. There you go. Wonderful. Excellent. I dig her. All right. Uh, Rick, this email says, next time you look at Rachel Ray, try to check out her midget arms. You know that midget arms. That's a terrible thing to say. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? This guy says uh, the Sarah Con Connor Chronicles is fantastic. I find that so hard to believe. I mean, I want it uh, to be good. Squid likes it, and Gustav's all about it, too. Really? Mm-hmm. I'll have to check it out, I guess, at some point. Uh, he says, especially because the cute ass-kicking girl from Firefly plays the protector robot. Uh, she is effing hot. Um, anyway, da -da 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 -da. I guess you can download it at sci-fi.com or something. All right, here's what's coming up in today's program. Uh, just all of this stuff. So we have uh, more from Tim Riley. We never got to the gluttony test from yesterday. In addition to the Paul Anka thing we haven't played yet, I now got this great Orson Welles sound clip that a guy gave me this morning. Um, let's see, Glorious Bastard of the Week, i got to get to that. And then TMZ ran, they have a great little article that they ran. It's not an article but so much, it's just like a little piece that they ran, um, which is pretty funny. So I, I might bring that up inside this next segment, which of course is the news with Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Guess what? The IRS may send you a letter soon, but it's not good news about it. It is not about your refund, which is coming in May at some time. It is a letter telling you that you'll be getting a refund. More than 130 million households will get letters beginning next week. And the letters are part of an extensive outreach effort to make sure people don't miss out on their checks. 
How would you miss out if they come in the mail? I, I really, yeah, I don't know. Are they thinking that I would? Maybe they operate under the assumption that when you get a letter that says IRS, you just immediately hide it under a pillow and weep to yourself. So the notices are informational and do not seek financial information. If you receive a letter that does, it's fake. Are you? Do you ever get a letter like that where it has no, like it doesn't say who the organization is. It just says something, 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 like Will, Wilmington, Delaware. And you look at it for a long time wondering what could be inside there. Because mm -hmm. it's probably not... In my experience, any letter you get confidential. from from the yeah, if it says or if it's from the East Coast, like it's from, it. don't open it. It's from Delaware or Maryland or something, and it gives the address but no business. I always assume it's bad news of some kind. Yep, shred it. It is somebody demanding money from me that I'm almost certainly not going to want to pay. Mm. Oh, attention, movie fans! New Line Cinema is dead. The heads of that movie studio resigned today. Major layoffs are expected immediately. New Line will be folded into Warner Brothers, never to be seen again. Of course, the uh, the biggest successes for New Line Cinema were the Lord of the Rings film trilogy. Uh, part of that, they brought you uh, Pleasantville, Nightmare on Elm Street. Boogie Nights. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And, uh, yeah, that's the end of it. Is that, uh, does it say who resigned? Was Mike DeLuca still there, does it say? And everybody's gone. Everybody. Everybody. All right. And all the employees, they said they're... Uh, it's just on Bob and Michael. <laughs> we, are, we are proud of each and every one of you. Is that like the uh, the fake auto pen signature they put on the firing letters? Mm -hmm. Dear everybody, you're fired. Bob and Michael. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, they intend to remain active in the industry. <laughs> okay. And we'll keep you advised of any developments. All right. Because they will have them. You will not. <laughs> Jesus. And uh, let's see. So, um, Warner Brothers will be meeting with each and every one of you to uh, let you know if you have any type of future. With new line or whatever it becomes. So that's that. Wow. That's. Do you ever? Did you ever think about? Well, never mind. Let's not talk about hirings. No, we yeah, haven't had one in a while. No, I was just gonna say. They'll be coming around soon enough. Thanks. Well, not, no, Thanks, Jim. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> at some point down the line, a very long line. Uh, I had some observation I was gonna make about something or other. Uh, here's an interesting thing though. So this is so TMZ has this picture of Martin Short, Matthew Broderick, and Eugene Levy. This sounds like a joke. Oh, I saw that. In a car? Yeah. This is last night. Mm -hmm. It says, after a quiet dinner, Martin Short, Matthew Broderick, and Eugene Levy get into a car and head home in high spirits. They say then, theoretically speaking, on the way home, let's assume that Martin Short, Matthew Broderick, and Eugene Levy all perished in a car accident. Who gets top billing on the nightly newscast? Who are the people? Martin Short, Matthew Broderick, Eugene Levy. Matthew Broderick. They Matthew all Broderick. die in a car crash. Who gets top billing? Well, they note, they say Matthew Broderick had a, uh, an iconic hit, but it was 22 years ago. They say Eugene Levy has been in far more films and has made more money at the box office, mm. but only as a supporting actor. Uh, Martin Short uh, was great on SNL, uh, but uh, was responsible for the horror that is the Jiminy Glick show, which is awful. But he was also on Arrested Development. That's true. So I think it might be Matthew Broderick, though, because he's married to Sarah Jessica Parker. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Or is he? See, I think, it, yeah, he is. Yeah. I think it would yeah, be that, then probably Eugene Levy, because he's so recognizable. Because Martin Eugene Marvel. Levy recently, and he did the best in show. He was uh, he was in, uh, Amer I think he was in all of those Christopher Guest mockumentaries. He was in, uh, he was in American <laughs> Pie. He was in at least uh, the first two American Pies, I think. So, but then I started thinking up, then I was trying to do like uh, like variations on a theme here. So instead of Martin Short, Matthew Broderick, and Eugene Levy, I was trying to come up with, uh, what was the one I came up with? Um, I had a... Uh, uh, I had uh, Linda Lavin and Jamie Farr. Tim, Linda Lavin, theoretically speaking, Alice is Linda Lavin and Mash is Jamie Farr, killed in a car accident. Who gets top billing in the uh, obituary? 
Well, that is a tough call. See, that's what I mean. I can yeah. do this all day. Mm-hmm. Jamie Parr? Maybe. See, I don't know. I don't really know the answer to that. Maybe it'll have to happen. See, because uh, Alice, uh, Linda Lavin was the titular character. She was the, she played the title role in Alice. On the other hand, Jamie Farr was on MASH, which ran a lot longer. Uh, and everybody's sort of more familiar with MASH than Alice, but she was Alice. She does have that going for her. And plus, she was married to somebody famous, I think, at some point. Hmm. Okay, how about this one? How about Tori Spelling or... Tiffany Amber Theason. Tori Spelling. Tori Spelling. You think? Unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. How about this one? How about Elizabeth Berkley? Okay. Dustin Diamond. Killed in a car accident. Theoretically, killed in a car accident at the same time. I don't because they both have such a kitsch factor. Like her with showgirls. See, do you see why I could do this all day? Video. All right. Hey Richie, we're gonna screech. I would say Dustin Diamond probably. We're, Richie, we're gonna take a, a couple of. We'll take a few of these from the audience, and. Uh, or should we just take one? It hasn't learned. Is <laughs> going to make it play itself? Hello, Joshua. Yes, number of players zero. She's probably on the. It's probably on FX right now. Shall we play a game? Maybe this loses something without the visual. Okay, I have one for you. All right. David Schwimmer or David Duchovny? David Duchovny. You think? Well, I don't know, actually. All stations, this is Crystal Palace. Stand by for a message from Brass Hat. David Schwimmer, David Duchovny. Air Force Base Operations, Lieutenant Colonel Bowers. Is this at the end? This is the very end of War Games? This is a lowering Air Force... Watch it anywhere tonight. You can watch it. You know, the thing is, you can watch up. You can turn on any channel. You can see it. David Schwimmer was on Friends, which is one of the all-time most popular sitcoms. David Duchovny, though, really iconic because of X-Files. I mean, really defined. And really, the X-Files is not now the only, but it is the groundbreaking. It, it, it was the first show to really but be that kind of a show. But did it make a bigger impact as Friends? I think a bigger impact. I think it made a bigger impact than Friends, and I'll tell you why. Because there's a whole lot of shows on the air right now like the X-Files. There are not a lot of shows on the air like Friends. And if they are, they were sort of there anyway, because Friends itself was not that single-parent, family-oriented And uh, Friends itself was not groundbreaking. Friends was patterned on living single. Uh, Whitey, as he always does, Mm -hmm. stealing something for the black community. So uh, Friends was just a white version of living single. The X-Files was the very first kind of show like that. I say it's David Duchovny. All right, wait, I'll do one more here. Um, How about... uh, Hold on, let's see. How about... um, did I do Tori Spelling already? Yeah, you did Tori Spelling and Tiffany Amber right. How about... Okay, here's another one for Tim. Tim? Gavin McLeod or Gary Berghoff? Gavin McLeod, Captain Stubing from Love Boat, or Gary Berghoff, Radar from MASH? I would say Radar from MASH. You think he gets top billing in yeah. the obituary? All right. Yeah, this is... I could do... Uh, we could have we a could whole... do this for hours. I could have a whole separate channel. I'm still kind of perplexed about the Elizabeth Berkeley Dustin Diamond one. Yeah. I really can't commit. Because she did Showgirls, but he's Screech. Mm-hmm. All right. How about this? Wait, hold on. How about Dustin Diamond or... Uh, what's his name? Julia White, who did, was Urkel. If they're both killed in a car accident the same day, Urkel or Screech, who gets top billing? I think that there, there might be joint billing there. 
I can't do. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of lost, lost sympathy for Screech, so I give it to Jaleel White. Yeah, you I think? Mean, I, I mean, he did the Johnny Carson thing. Once the show was over, you never heard from him again. That's true, and I think Jaleel White, if memory Don't serves. Don't come and play like Smooth Lover Man but sometimes? I, and I think he uh, is he going to, to college. UCLA. Yeah, he went to college. He's yeah. all bulked up now, like he's all ripped and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I think he's doing everything he can to put the Urkel thing behind him, whereas Dustin Diamond is just. But, and I, but okay, but here's the other thing. But because of. You've lost sympathy. For a Dustin Diamond. Because yeah. of the whole... But when you think about it, in terms of who gets the top billing in the obituary, mm-hmm. we're really in our wheelhouse. Here's a show. You think Lars is talking about this? No. Um, so, but here's the thing, is that Jaleel White, the reason we like him is because he's out of the public eye, which means that he might not get top billing. Because Dustin Diamond is sad no, and as pathetic they could as have, he is. No, but they could like show everything that he's been doing since the show and so, show like how he was building up to be a more you know positive person, educating himself. He received a bachelor's degree in film from UCLA in 2001. Don't you want to see him direct something really great? How great would that be if Urkel directed some Oscar-winning film at some point? Mm-hmm. Boy, I wish we had Dorothy Carcassari on the phone. I should have asked her this. I should have said, Dustin, I should have seen a screech and Urkel killed the same day. Who gets top billing? Oh, okay, we're going to have... Oh, wait, let's get a couple of these here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What do you got? Hello, it's you. Hello. Hi, yes, sir. Hi? Hello. I'm for Are the you love kidding of Christ. me? All right. You? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, this is me. Is that you? This is you. Yeah. Yes, hi. Okay. I think uh, Jaleel White this would get the top billing. The epitaph would be, did I craft that? Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. I are on the Rick Emerson show. I don't even know if there was a real answer in there somewhere tagged with a joke or if it was just a means to the, if that was such a joke delivery call. I are on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick, it's me. Hi, you. Hello, <laughs> I me. Thinking, I think we should go more local, like with, say, Lars Larson. Now, theory, hold on. Let's just say very clearly here. I'm no, gonna... let's just, let me give a little disclaimer. No yeah. one really had, none of these people have I'm... died. Hold on, sir, this is not for you. This is for the other people. So hold on a second. Okay. No one has died, and of course, we are not wishing death on anybody, are we? No. No. Uh, We wish everybody a long life and the best of health. But in terms of journalism, one has to be prepared for these things. So, okay, so you are spec... Okay, what is is your your speculation here? Oh, I was thinking more locally, like a Lars Larson, Guantanamo Bay mishap, or, you know, versus... I would hate to mention you in such a. So you're saying thing. if Lars and I were killed on the same yes. day? Yes. Oh, uh, yes. that would certainly be Lars, I would think. You know what I mean? Just because that fat bastard is plastered on billboards everywhere. I mean, really, billboards, the sides of buses, just a big fleshy pink bulb of a head, just peering out at you with Augustus <laughs> Gloop eyes, just beady-eyed little rat face looking at you from the side of a bus. Anywhere where Caucasians show fear. No, I mean, really, that's it. Any, yeah, anywhere where there's lame white people, uh, you're going to find his face. So let's, let's, I have no, no inflated sense of self-importance. I, I know that uh, he, is a, he is a fleshy Portland icon. Right. Uh, see, I know you're sad to hear he, it, but he, it's true. He's the BTN of Portland. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. You're All welcome. Right. All right. By uh, the way, yes. at the height of his career, Jaleel White was making $180,000 an episode. Damn. Wow. I wonder if he, I bet he saved it. He seems like a guy mm-hmm. that probably saved it, don't mm-hmm. you think? And Be- like opening up a, a one-hour Martinizing or something like that. Because uh, well, would you, you know, you of course, is, you are always our go-to person for Hollywood questions. Would you, would you agree with this assessment, Tim? That if you are that, if you had, let's let's not even say Urkel, because he's a big, you know, sounds dumb, but he's you know an icon. He was very popular. He was the the guy on that show in many ways. 
But if you take, let's say, a, a B-lister. So let's say you're not, uh, let's say you're not uh, him. Let's say you're like one of the other kids or whatever on that show. Um, if you, but have a steady gig. And here's a, here's a good way to put it. Let's say you're not Roseanne Barr. Let's say you're what's her name who was Roseanne's sister. I forget that actress's name. I don't remember either. Uh, I, funny, I was talking to somebody else this morning. I can't remember her name either. But the woman who played Roseanne's sister. So you're not John Goodman. You're not Roseanne. You're Roseanne's sister. Mm. And you're on that show for about nine years. Would you say that if you have a good, strong B role on a show like that, you could be a millionaire by the time it's done? Oh, I'm sure. You think? Yes. You could do one one gig like that, and you could theoretically be set for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I it, with that's the other. I think that's what puzzles so many people when you hear about the. You see, these guys were all bankrupt later because she was at 180 grand an episode, man. I mean, like Bob Saget. Everybody makes fun of Bob Saget. I think that guy ever has to do anything again he doesn't want to do. That guy's whole day is waking up and I think getting baked and figuring out how many girls he's going to bone. I mean, really, that's that's like Bob Saget. That's used to do. Let's... Plus, the TV Bob Saget is different than the one on stage. Oh yeah. No, that's. I mean, he's he's completely toned down. He's okay. I'll do it for that kind of money. You oh, yeah. bet. I'll be a different person because he doesn't care. No. You know why? Because you know what Bob Saget now has. Bob Saget has what they refer to as fu money. Mm-hmm. Which is anybody that does, you know, anything you don't want to do, you just say, F you. F you, I'm going to go home and I'm going to go home and F a model on a big pile of cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do one more and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, I got one. All right. Scotty J or Matt Peterson? Tim? I'll stay out of that one. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, Rick, I got, a, I got a little. Hold uh, on, hold on a second. Now, you're saying if we open up the newspaper and God forbid. F. Matt Peterson and Scotty J. Uh, had Let's perished. Hope it was in a Beamer. Down yeah, an ele- down an elevator shaft together. Uh, I was thinking of BMW. Who's who you're saying? Whose death would we mention first? Right. Well, I think it would have to be Matt because we would probably just go chronologically at that point. Okay. Yeah. Now uh, I I have kind of a twist on this. I like to think of the ultimate concert tour plane crash, like uh, Kenny G, the Oak Ridge Boys, and who else? Discuss. Can we break now? I like it when people end things with disgust, though. I find that funny. Uh, all right, Tim. Yeah, I'd say your I'd say your mouth is about at ninety-two percent now. I would say. I would say so. Yes. Yeah, I think you're you're sounding fine. All right. Yeah, it's, it's just the, right around that tooth. All right. Uh, so Ooh, let's porcelain one. Take a break. We'll plunge on ahead. We'll do uh, some other stuff in this next segment. Tim Riley with him. We'll return in fine form. Fine form, ladies and gentlemen. Bottom of the hour with more news still to come. Uh, your glorious bastard of the week. And uh, be doing a little bit of it. Don't call now. A little bit of a giveaway coming up as well, too. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on AM 970. Solid State Radio. That's who plays uh, Roseanne's sister. That's who Becca from uh, KUFO looks like this morning. I couldn't come up with it. All right, 503-733-2970. Still to come, more news from Tim Riley. Uh, Let's see. Let's just do the... uh, 
screech. Somebody isn't he already dead? He's not dead. Uh, let's just do this right now, actually, while I'm uh, thinking about it. Where the hell did I put my? Uh, we, there we go. Greetings and salutations, Mark Hammond. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you, have been selected as the AM 970 Glorious Bastard of the Week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a bountiful cornucopia of swag from the AM 970 pile of crap, including, but not limited to, passes for 2 to 10,000 B.C., as well as an AM 970 T-shirt, a 10,000 B.C. T-shirt, and poster, and, wait, hold on, what else? The witless protection. Page two. No, I don't think so. I don't think you get any Larry the Cable Guy stuff. Oh, that's true. Sadly. I think that's, uh, that's for the next winner, I think. Uh, as well as a $50 gift certificate, uh, gift certificate to Salvador Mali's. Uh, their Great Balls of Fire King or Queen of Heat event is happening this Sunday, March 2nd, at Salvador Mali's from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Proceeds go to Oregon Heat, helping Oregonians meet their energy needs. In addition to all of this, sir, you get the wonderful knowledge that for at least this one week, you are a little bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status, and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. Thank you for listening, Mark Hammond. You... Are the glorious bastard of the week. And of course, don't forget, if you are not a glorious bastard, uh, ye can become one at 970.am. 970.am. All right. I got one more of these Salvador Molly things to give away today. Don't call uh, about that. Uh, but I, I don't know how to do it uh, yet, so I got to think on that. It seems like a way to be able to do it somehow with this whole who would get top billing thing, but I'm not really that bright, so I don't know. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Okay, get, take back the thing you said about Exiles being original. <laughs> do I, it's not do true. I? I have four words for you. Wait, hold on a second. This is the wheel he said he saw. These are unidentified flying objects that people say they are seeing now. Okay, first of all, that is genius that you did that. Oh. I'm gonna back up seriously. Uh, I'm gonna back up for a second. Can you can do you have that on? Uh, can you play that again? Okay, yeah. Hold on. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> Are you playing this off your? Ezekiel saw the wheel. This is the wheel he said he saw. These are unidentified flying objects that people say they are seeing now. Are they proof that we are being visited by civilizations from other stars? Or just what are they? The United States Air Force began an investigation of this high strangeness in a search for the truth. What you were about to see is part of that 20-year search. All right, okay, so before you say anything else, sir, what is your name? Uh, Eric. Hi, Eric. Uh, first of all, are you playing that off your computer? Um, CD. I really have to say, you you are in fact my hero. You are uh, the greatest thing ever. Now, if that is uh, if that is the television program uh, that I am thinking of, uh, here's the thing. I don't want you to say the name of it, okay? Okay. So here's what I'm going to do, though. We are going to take caller five, Richie. So now, uh, Eric, just for coming up with that great soundbite, Eric, we're going to give you a pair of passes to see 10,000 BC. Uh, at uh, Lloyd Center next Thursday, March 6th, starring uh, some CGI creatures and I think uh, a bunch of well-endowed women in sort of like uh, fur bikinis. So, oh. so you know, yeah. so you got that. So, All right, so Eric, we're going to give you a pair of passes to see 10,000 B.C., but Richie, we're going to take caller number five now. And if caller number five is able to identify 
uh, from where that sound clip pl- uh, came, uh, we'll, we will give them this other uh, Salvador Mollies thing that we have to give away today. So here's the thing. Eric, can you do me a favor? Do you, you don't play the whole thing. Play like the first maybe 15 seconds of that one more time, and then Richie will take caller five to gander a guess at this. Okay. All right. Ezekiel saw the wheel. This is the wheel he said he saw. These are unidentified flying objects that people say they are seeing now. All right. Uh, so we're going to wait for these to come in. So I'm going to put you on hold for just one second, sir, okay? Okay, so, uh, Richie, don't pick up line two. Line two is Eric. So uh, let's see here. Let's see if I can get these copy points here in front of me. All right. Uh, it's uh, it's 503 two. 970, 503-733-2970. So we are looking for, uh, that is from the opening credits of a television program uh, that predates the X-Files. And it is fair play to Eric for pointing out that it predates the X-Files. So we will take caller five. Uh, and if it's not, and if Eric almost sounded like a fake person. No, no, no. Eric's great. Eric is a no. He's no. I'm saying he's real, but he sounds like he sounds like a character. <laughs> he kind of well because he's you know he's a true believer. Um, so uh, we'll take caller five, and then maybe we'll take caller six behind that if five don't get it. So uh, Richie, which line am I going to? One. Okay. So I'll tell you what. First of all, uh, so Eric, are you back with us? Yep. Okay, Eric, hang tight. Eric, we are going to bring on uh, Brian. Brian, can you hear? Brian, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, Brian. On the line here, uh, a gift certificate to Salvador Mollies, where their Great Balls of Fire King or Queen of Heat event is happening this Sunday, March 2nd, at Salvador Mollies from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Proceeds go to Oregon Heat, helping Oregonians meet their energy needs. Uh, and as a side note, they got fantastic food, too. So, uh, all right, Brian, can you identify from what program that soundbite comes? It sure sounds like, um, I want to say Outer Limits, but I'm going to say that's probably wrong. Eric, just uh, tell him whether he is correct or incorrect. No. 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 <laughs> you don't uh, even get an incorrect. You just get a no. Oh, All right. Eric. All right. Sorry, Brian. Uh, All right, I'll thanks. try it later. Bye. All right. There you go. Eric, hang on. We'll, we'll try uh, we'll try a couple more here. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, who is this, please? This is David. All right, David. Uh, for this gift certificate to Salvador Mollies, can you identify that fantastic and incredibly geeky thing that Eric played for you? I'll try. The Invaders? No, dude, no. No, hell no. No, it is not the invaders. All right, thank you anyway. Though. Okay, we'll do one more. And if this guy doesn't get it, it's just going to have to go back in the hopper for now. All right, final final guess at this. Uh, hi, who's this? This is Daryl. Hi, Daryl. Can you identify from what program that soundbite comes? Jeez, you know, I thought it was out of limits, too, but um, I will bounce over and say one step beyond. That's a good guess. That is incorrect, though, isn't it, Eric? Get off my couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. All right. Uh, here's and I have to I have to confess by the way. Uh, when you first played that, I thought it was something else too. When you first played it, I thought it was In Search of, hosted by Leonard Nimoy, uh, because I think In Search of actually has that same clip where he says Ezekiel saw a wheel, and then it has the whole thing about unexplained phenomenon or whatever. Um, but unless I am wrong, and I don't think I am. Uh, that is Jack Webb, and it's from Project UFO, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, look at me. I should win well, something. For the Jack Webb. I'm sorry? 
bonus points for Jack Webb. Jack Webb, uh, famously uh, Dragnet and uh, the movie The D.I. All right. Well, enjoy the uh, the passes to 10,000 B.C. What we're going to do, uh, Eric, we'll put you on hold. Uh, Richie Bristol, we'll get your uh, Richie Eric is on line two here. We'll get your information, and you're going to see uh, 10,000 B.C. next Thursday at Lloyd Center, sir. Thank you. All right. Thank you, my friend. You call us anytime, Richie. Uh, that is Eric on line two. Uh, yeah, we'll get him a hook up there. Fantastic. Great. That guy was pretty great, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. All right, wonderful. All right. Um, okay, it's 2.15. Here's what we got to do. Let's, so we have uh, Tim coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we have, it is high concept Thursday, so I got a high concept topic we can do. I have the gluttony test we could do. I have the Orson Welles uh, going insane, but I kind of got to wait for Tim for that, because Tim will really want to hear that. Um, let's see. Or, wait, hold on. Is. Is. So I've got, I really don't even know where to go now. There's just, there's, there's so much to get to. Okay, so Sarah, I'm going to let you pick. Here's what we have. In fact, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a listener pick. Okay. All right. Uh, hello. Hi. Who's this? It's Terry. Hi, Terry. How you doing? I'm good, man. I know the answer. You know, I just said it on the radio, you know. I, I didn't hear it, dude. Oh, really? What is the answer? You win nothing for this. But that's, what is that's fine. I, was it Operation Blue Book? No. No. See, you, uh, you, don't, you, have no, you have an answer, but it's wrong. I have nothing. Uh, it's from Project UFO, narrated by Dragnet's Jack Webb. See, and the other thing is, I, but I will say, to be, to be honest, for him, I didn't get it initially, because I thought it was In Search Of, uh, with Leonard Nimoy, which is oh, fantastic. Yeah. See, it totally sounded like In Search Of, which is a great show. Uh, they tried to bring it back about five years ago, and the deal they did with In Search Of, they brought it back, I think, on the Sci-Fi Channel, and they kept, like, they had different, they had new credits. They had a, a new opening credits and closing credits, but, like, the, the stuff in the middle was, like, uh, it was exactly the same. Like, they hadn't changed any of the meat of the show. It was still from 40 years ago. Just opening and closing credits. All right, sir. Um, uh, we, we have three different things we are considering uh, for this point of the show. We have uh, a high-concept topic. We have a listener question about Star Wars, um, or we have the Are You a Glutton test. Uh, what would you like to hear us do? Oh, I've got to be Star Wars. Oh, nuts. All right. <laughs> Did Sorry, you really Jack. just say nuts? I wanted to do the I'm a Glutton. Oh, rats. Well, I haven't drank enough for high concept and glutton. I'll yeah. tell you what. We'll do the Star Wars question. If we have time, we'll do the, uh, yeah, we'll do the, uh, uh, the glutton test right after that. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. I love our audience. I really do. I know that sometimes people say that we're a little harsh to people or that we upbraid the callers every now and again. But you know what? That's a, that's a hurting them because we love them kind of a thing. All right. Uh, so here is the Star Wars question we'll get to. Uh, we might as well make this a Geek Watch. Do we have the Geek Watch? Yeah. We'll make this our Geek Watch. This is from Jeff, uh, who gives us uh, this, uh, this Geek Watch. Today. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. As though that, as that whole last five minutes wasn't the geekiest thing ever. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux... There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn ship. You got it? Better does. I have to tell you that uh, geek Eric, who called up with the question, sounds exactly like the guy at Fry's that is always there when I go to buy, like, Ethernet cable or something. Maybe All he works there. Him. It's, it's entirely possible. All right. The subject line of this email is, suck it, Alex Trebek. Um, Monday night on Jeopardy, the final clue said, quote, a planet from Return of the Jedi that is also a biblical name. That is, again, on, uh, on Monday night. It says, Monday night, Jeopardy, the final clue 
where they do, ding. And how much television have I watched that I, in my head, I can't do it out loud, but in my head, I know exactly what the sound effect is for when they put the final question up on Final Jeopardy. And it's sort of like an electronic <laughs> bell. It's like a ring. I watched Jeopardy last night. It's a great show. It really is. Even after all this time, that uh, that format never wears thin. It says, Monday Night in Jeopardy, the final clue was, a, Sarah, you wouldn't know this, of course, but let me, I'll ask you anyway. A planet from Return of the Jedi that is also a biblical name. You have no idea? No. Of course not. I was going to try and guess. He it. says, uh, the answer is Endor, of course, uh, filmed uh, famously in California's Redwood Forest. The answer, he says, was effing Endor. Now, this is where the rub of it comes in. Jeff, uh, listener Jeff says, Rick, am I wrong, or is Endor, wait for it, a forest moon and not actually a planet? Please help. I can't sleep until I know. So there you go. So this is a question, uh, and I don't really, you're not really going to win anything for this except smug self-satisfaction. Uh, so the, the question is, on Jeopardy, they identified Endor as being a planet from Return of the Jedi that's also a biblical name. Uh, and he says, I thought that Endor was a forest moon and not actually a planet. So now we will, uh, we will now take your calls on this subject. Uh, is Endor, in fact, a planet? Or is Endor from Return of the Jedi a forest moon? Is this the new closing? No, this is a theme in the mid-90s that I thought a lot of people would know. I don't think I remember this. This must have been when I wasn't watching a lot of Jeopardy. Oh, yeah, there we there go. It is. Well, this sort of this has got like a little samba feel to it almost. Hey, is, the it, 90s. is it true that they've, crazy. Is it true that they've redone the uh, the Price is Right theme since Drew Carey started hosting it? Somebody told me the it. Price is Right theme has gotten a little little extra dip in its hip. A little jazzy. Yeah. All right. Uh, let us, uh, Richie, we'll just take, uh, I think caller four must be about uh, Endor. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Oh, yeah, I was just calling about that, actually. Yes, okay, so uh, the question, <laughs> sir, is on Jeopardy Monday, the final clue said, a planet from Return of the Jedi that is also a biblical name. The answer was Endor. Listener says, am I wrong or is Endor a forest moon and not a planet? Please help, I can't sleep till I know. Oh, Endor was absolutely a moon. I'm sorry? No. It's absolutely a moon. It goes around the big gaseous planet. So uh, Endor is, in fact, a moon, not a planet. Exactly. Hold on. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Court and Fatboy. Uh, you can find out more at courtandfatboy.com, or you can you. download their podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, 7 to Midnight at Rock 101 KUFO. Fatboy, hello, sir. Hello. Um, in the movie, they constantly refer to it as the forest moon of Endor. The moon itself, from what I understand, has no name. It's just Endor's moon. Wait, hold on. I'm so confused here. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> they, so when they say the forest moon of Endor, yes. are you saying it is of Endor in the sense that the it is the moon of the planet Endor? Yes, exactly. So they're not actually on Endor in in Jedi. From what I understand, correct. So the moon itself has no name. The so, moon just so this guy the is claiming Endor. this guy is claiming that uh, that it is a moon uh, and that they are circling a gaseous planet, and you're claiming that gaseous planet is Endor. Yes. So this answer would be wrong then. No, because it asks about what's the name of the planet. Here we go. Monday Night on Jeopardy. The mm -hmm. final clue said, yeah. a planet from Return of the Jedi yeah. that is also a biblical name. Yeah. Endor. The answer is Endor. The, oh, okay. The planet I is named Endor. The moon, as far as I know, doesn't have a name. It's just the forest moon. Okay, so okay, so uh, so when people refer to Endor as being the forest moon, uh, it, that's that wrong. Would be wrong. There right? is a, it is a forest moon. And it is the moon of the gaseous planet of Endor. Yes. All right. That's now how, that's this, how I understand it. Now, when you say this is how you understand it, from where are you deriving this knowledge? 
the, the fact that I'm a, a, a huge dork. But, I mean, is this like a thing you've heard, or is like, is there canon on this somewhere? I, pro- I mean, there, there undoubtedly would be. I'm, I'm imagining Aaron Duran right now is just ripping what hair he has left on his head out. I mean, yeah. I mean, in there's the really fistfuls. There's nothing riding on this except the legitimacy of the Jeopardy questions and, of course, this guy's sleep patterns. Well, I, I would imagine that the people at Jeopardy are just as huge nerds as we are and uh, would have researched this before go ahead and throwing well, it out. You think, but, you know, I think that about Trivial Pursuit sometimes, and then they screw you. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. Uh, well, Trivial Pursuit's uh, quality control has been a bit lax recently. So, so this is, so here we go again. A guy says, um, uh, The geeks are piling up outside of the door, Rick. Oh, God, here comes... Okay, let's... Oh, man. This, this email says... Rick, the, the admiral, of course, says the forest moon of Endor, but I guess we're... Uh, the question here is the use of the word of. Yes. What, in other words, the preposition or whatever that word is of, of, how is it being used? Is it being... Like, if you're the Duke of Windsor, you're not Earth? Windsor. You're yeah. of Windsor. You're from there. Yes. Jesus. Uh, James? I just wanted to say that there is actual, in the movie... Just says that uh, it's it is the forest moon of Endor. Okay, hold on for a second, Sarah. On a scale of one to a hundred, oh yes, a hundred being really into this conversation and zero rather like you, well, you wish you were dead. Well, I find it kind of interesting because like my friend Lisa is obsessed with Jeopardy, so every time I go to her house, I watch it. I watched it last night, right? And it's funny how specific they are. Like this guy, it was some question. It, it, it was like these two things, these two questions, where they morph the answer together, and he said Hell's Kitchens instead of Hell's Kitchen. And right. So they, I mean, they're really specific. Well, I I wonder about that sometimes. You know, can I ask you this? Here's the thing about Jeopardy, before we get back to this. Um, all right. Uh, thank you, sir. All right. There's that guy. Um, so I think about this sometimes on Jeopardy, how they have this weird uh, sort of flexibility with names where you can just get the last name. Yeah. Who is Jenkins? You know, and it's like, that's allowed. So if I'm ever on there, I'm just going to punt and say, like, who is Smith? Because, you know, you figure it's like a good shot in the dark. You know what I mean? Um, Okay, so Monday Night of Jeopardy, it said, uh, a planet from Return of the Jedi that is also a biblical name. So the question is, is that thing there on the forest uh, moon? Yeah. That does not have a name, but the actual planet around which that forest moon is revolving is Endor. Correct. That is correct. So Jeopardy had it right. Yes. So it's Jeopardy has it right. It is actually uh, the perception of many uh, just fans that is incorrect because they assume mm-hmm. that the, pla- the the forest the thing they're on is in fact a planet. Yeah. It's because it's always referenced as just Endor. No one ever just. I've always called it Endor. Yeah. I don't think I ever really knew. Mm-hmm. So uh, all right, because it's like when you say you're from the town of Kennewick, yeah. uh, like you just assume that's the way you're calling it. Okay. And the moon itself has no name. They are circling Endor, which is gaseous. So uh, Alex Trebek wins again. Alex Trebek always wins. So well, this the subject line is like suck it, Trebek. Oh, oh. so <laughs> apparently <laughs> Alex Trebek is. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> I got this from an all caps from Aaron. Jesus God, I can't get through. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you. I told you. I'm just saying. Okay, so apparently Alex Trebek is sucking nothing, sir. Uh, Alex right. Trebek never loses. No, that's true. What would happen if Alex Trebek fought Zod? I don't know, the, the world would fold in on itself. <laughs> the universe would implode. All right. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing over there? Break time. All right. Uh, we come back. Uh, we will have news from Tim Riley. We'll answer the question, uh, are you a glutton? And on that tip, as the kids say, uh, we'll find out how much fat is inside of uh, Fat Boy. Hey. Sarah, do you have a little something over there? Thank you. All right. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
one Tim's talking about. So we did this listener party at a place that was called the Viper Room, which isn't there anymore. It was on Hawthorne. It was like uh, by the Hawthorne Strip. It's a Viper Room that nobody died at. Yeah. <laughs> it's a non-Phoenixy one. Um, but we did that listener party, which at the time, I mean, we've subsequently outperformed it, but at that time was the biggest, most successful listener party we'd had. Yeah. Most attendance, most liquor sales, uh, <laughs> all of that. I mean, it was in every way. A live broadcast. Yeah, it was, we did a live broadcast, which is the only time we've done that. Uh, and so that was the biggest, most successful one we'd ever had. And it was the next week that they fired us. They fired us four days later. And that was the day that they fired Sarah. That had been Sarah's last day. The listener party. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So you're fired. Have that fun. Have fun at your party. Yeah, because it wasn't supposed to be my last day on um, that station. No. But he's just like, yeah, that it was really nice working with We're you. You can leave. Bring me. down the curtain on your career. Mm-hmm. Now. And, and we all did fight behind the scenes for that not to happen. Oh, yeah. No, it's... We were turned out by every... We went to the top on that. Yeah, that and was really... Our, I can't even imagine time. Tim Riley fighting. Our laments were heard by no mm-hmm. one. So... Yeah. What's Tim uh, Riley like when he, when he gets... In fight you mode. don't want to know. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, those, those, those people are no longer with us. Oh. <laughs> you no, he's very stern. It's have like to, those... have to call the cleaners. You wouldn't like me when he. Wouldn't like him when he's I was, angry. Yeah, I was impressed. It's Imagine. nothing that I have to say publicly. Oh, okay. It, it, I'm imagining like Hulk mixed with Wolverine. <laughs> like no, it's like it's the calm, scary where he's very well spoken. Oh, like Hannibal like... Lecter in the cage. Kind of like Hannibal Lecter. I'm just like Hannibal Lecter. Like the pulse rate is not going up, but he's got blood smeared on his face like, like Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm-hmm. His pulse never got above 77. There we go. Even when he ate her tongue. <laughs> and now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, John McCain said his remark that American troops will stay in Iraq for 100 years has been distorted. And he's, <laughs> and he's lying. I, I saw him. He probably said this in several places, but I saw him. When he said it on Good Morning America, and he said that American troops will stand in Iraq for 100 years. Yep. So he is lying. Of course he is. Well, because John McCain, of all of them, yeah. John McCain is the one who recycles his speech content the most frequently. Goddamn, if I have to hear him tell that joke about Congress and drunken sailors one more, it's like the 50th time the other night I was watching him. And the joke is always, he says, uh, and he's now admitted, by the way, in the wake of uh, that Obama plagiarism non-controversy, he's admitted that he stole the joke from Reagan to begin with, uh, where, you know, um, he says, uh, you know, well, I've been saying for a long time that Congress spends money like a drunken sailor. And, uh, you know, I got a letter from the other day uh, that said, uh, well, as a former drunken sailor, I resent being compared to Congress. <laughs> Moderately funny once. I've seen him do it at like six or seven stump speeches now. So, of course he said that. And this hundred, lie. this hundred years thing is a ridiculously blatant lie because not only has he said it constantly, he's said after that, a hundred years if we need to, ten thousand years if we need to, hundred thousand years if we need to. Forever! Yeah, he's, he's actually exponentially... Oh, he's not Increase the, the amount of years in like at least six or seven speeches. So much so that if you type in 100 years in Iraq into YouTube, there's about five or six different mashup videos of him just growing the number from speech to speech. Oh, he's going to kill us all. Yes. Time for Darwin Watch a double. Here's your speaking of killing. Here's your Darwin Watch.
An attempt to rescue a cat from a tree cost a 27-year-old Orange County man his life when he fell to his death. Scott Bueller climbed up the tree to save the cat, which was trended in the prickly branches of the tree at Meat Avenue in Nordic Street. In the village of Where Orange. do you live, Meat Avenue? Meat Avenue in Nordic Street, near the village of Orange in Orange County. Uh, Bueller grabbed hold of the cat but lost his grip and fell to his death to the sidewalk below. Paramedics around, but it was too late. He was pronounced dead at the scene. Never try to save anything that wouldn't save you. That's my... Uh... Why would anybody want to save a cat? I Really? The cats take care of themselves. Yeah, cats they... don't need human help. And they steal the breath of children. They do. I concur. Uh, part two, this is from the Sun Sentinel. Florida, as a matter of fact. Florida, as a matter of fact. Oh, God damn it. In your face. Fine. The Riviera Beach Dive Company, involved in a fatal shark attack off the Bahamas over this past weekend, offers clients the opportunity... For uncaged encounters with tiger sharks and great hammerheads, fearsome ocean predators known to attack people. On a dive Sunday from the 65-foot boat Shearwater, which the company's website uh, said was on a shark expedition, something went wrong. The shark sank its teeth into the leg of Marcus Groh, a lawyer from Austria. A midday call, a midday call went out to uh, about uh, 10 a.m., and the Coast Guard airlifted him to Jackson Memorial Hospital, Miami, where he promptly died. Nobody was able to identify the species of shark that attacked. Uh, the circumstances of the attack are unclear, and the Coast Guard is investigating. But the incident has drawn more attention to the dive company and its practice of shark feeding, <laughs> a common procedure in which tour operators dump bloody fish into parts of water to attract sharks. <laughs> well, first of all, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's all kinds of hilarious. But, I mean, who who was on a boat where the whole point is to get up close to hammerheads. They only like fish blood. And then, now, uh, hold on a second. Before you get in the water, we're going to dump blood and we're going to chum the water with everything we possibly have. So, I mean, on the one hand, maybe the company ought not to be doing that. But on the other hand, what kind of moron <laughs> then looks at blood-soaked water filled with sharks and says, no, 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 I know I'm pink and squishy and delicious, but let me just jump in there. That's wonderful. Excellent. Doesn't grow up to get uh, have dumb kids of his own. Fantastic. Oh. Well done. There's your Darwin watch. A double. An exciting chance to see sharks from the inside. Fantastic. Uh, judge today jailed a wife who attempted to murder her husband with antifreeze for 30 years to deter others from choosing a means of death more lethal and cruel than a bullet. Uh, Kate Knight, who's only 28... Described as a bored and lonely housewife living in her own fantasy world, rocked backwards and forwards and shook as the judge uh, sentenced her to 15 to 20 years behind bars. The mother of a nine-year-old son set out to murder her husband, Lee, early in 2005 to claim his insurance policy and pay off some mountain debts, mounting debts. She researched a number of methods, including an ecstasy overdose and employing a hitman, before settling for antifreeze that contained the poison uh, glycerol. Uh, she slipped antifreeze into her husband's uh, takeaway curry right to celebrate their wedding anniversary, but he complained of a tinny taste. Uh, she then uh, put it in his red wine to mask the taste. He was rushed to the hospital with stomach cramps and spent 10 weeks in a coma uh, to emerge from the living dead. Blind, deaf, partially paralyzed, and with kidney damage, requiring dialysis three times a week, but still alive. So uh, that's that. As a result of your actions, Lee Knight suffered terrible illness, becoming increasingly unwell, and then losing the use of one of his kidneys, and then sight and hearing. What? So, the end. On that particularly jubilant note, let's, I am intrigued, by the way, the idea of a of just a normal everyday housewife inve investigating a the use of a... Every, bored and lonely everyday housewife. This is an advice to men out there, so leave them... Really, 
Find a hobby for her. Because otherwise she's going to be investigating the use of hitmen. And that sort of intrigues me because I wouldn't know how to... Should we Google hitmen? Where does one even start? Let's Craig not Lewis. Google Let's, let's oh. not Google hitmen on CBS. That, no. They don't check anything here. <laughs> really? Is that true? There's nobody here to check it. We, we don't. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I mean, you, you I run contests I... based on things that we've looked That's at here. That's true. Yes. They, uh... if, if, if no one came downstairs was like, what are you looking at after that... Yeah, I There's, guess. If you Google Hitman, they're not going to. All right, Rick, are you giving me permission for a Sure, Google, Google Hitman in, in Craigslist. <laughs> On Craigslist? Okay, wait. Yeah. CC uh, Les Moonvets. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, fantastic. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in history of the world. I'd say you're back at 100%, too. You made a full recovery this time. Much no, faster my mouth feels a little bit stretched out. But you know what? You don't sound, uh, you sound perfectly flawless. You, your winky eye is gone. Well, that's good. I'm glad my face <laughs> your is winky eye. not dragging on one side. Oh, one. yeah, you look almost totally normal. No, no you don't look. Time to get another one done, then. Yeah, you, look, you looked all palsied for a while, but it's better. One can't get enough porcelain. No, it's true. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, uh, all the way through Like Us. All right, we're here with uh, Fat Boy from Rock 101 KUFO. Hey, by the way, Richie, you want to have uh, Dennis? Uh, I know Dennis was, we, we run a little late today, but I know Dennis Pitchenbarger was going to pop in for a second. Speaking of folks who dropped some weight, how, how much porcelain does, does Tim Riley have in Many, his... many, many porcelain teeth. More, more porcelain than Hippo Hardware? Well, he was, he was, uh, he was uh, given fillings, I think, back when they were just made out of like Adobe or oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now, as he put it, they're all uh, cracking and getting infected. Oh. So I think he's having those removed. All right, so. Uh, Nothing for Hitman. Really? Yeah. That's too bad. All right, uh, let's see. So we've got uh, this new fatometer. Yes. My wife got me this for Valentine's Day. Now, with <laughs> this, uh, it will measure your... So you have to take your shoes and socks okay. off. Uh, it'll measure your weight, obviously, and then your body fat, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, your BMI, which we know is kind of is kind of BS, but uh, the body fat, though, it'll still weigh. So let's see. Let's see. Guest, you are how old? 30. 30. Really? Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> man. Well, like that's old. What is your, what, what is your height, sir? Five seven. Five seven. All right, five seven. All right. All right, so here All right, I'm looking too. All right. Sarah, All right. you have to come over as you always do, and we can never read this, read this in the dark. Uh, oh, you know what? There's, I have a mag light over here. Really? Okay, so we'll bring... Flesh. So don't stand on it quite yet. Okay. So the idea is you'll stand on it as soon as your weight is, like, solidified, as soon as it sort of, you know, it locks in your weight, then it'll do the oh, other two. All right, are we ready? All right, yeah. Okay, go ahead. All right, in the meantime, I'm going to get... Uh, oh, he has good feet. Really? Uh-huh. All right. All right. So your weight. Wow. Well, you make me feel really fat just based on that. <laughs> Jesus, God. Wow. I'm a little surprised myself. 157.8. We'll round that up to 158. 158. Jesus. We'll round that up. All right. The second number is the body fat. I always get confused about that. Yeah, I can't move, right? No, don't move. No moving. All right. Uh, let's see here. Is it not calculating the body fat? Not, no, it's not doing anything. Is it just sticking? Do I have to... It's just sticking. You've broken it. Yeah. All right. Uh, step off one. Step, step off. Step off, son. Step aside, Red. Uh, hold on. Step off for just one second here. We'll... Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem to be... Hold on a second. All right. Now, we may have to we may have to revisit this. because All right. Your age is 30. Yes. Height, 5'7". All right. Hold on a second here. And you are 5'7". All right. Okay, try it one more time. All right, just step on it now. Yeah, you just yep. stand on it. As soon as it locks in your weight, it should it should then calculate your body fat. So if you don't okay, move, okay. all right. So there's the weight. That's exactly one fifty eight. All right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Here, we go. here goes the. Uh, this is the body fat, I think. Yeah, this is fat. Okay, body fat percentage. 
Went right back to wait. Oh, there we go. There we go. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. F you, really? 17.8? Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from miles around our good friend Dennis Pittenbarger. Hello, sir. Uh, how are you? I am I'm a big tub of fat-ass lard is what I am. Well, obviously. Jesus. Should I be, should I be doing this as what well? What is it? 17.8. Okay, hold on. You are male, 30 years of age. Uh-huh. If that's the case, I'm going to take off these... Six-pound boots. I mean, yeah, really. I mean, that's barefoot. Really, I mean, that's like that's like on the low side of you know, it's on the low side of normal. Wow. Yeah, you're. Uh, yeah, you're very slender. God damn it. <laughs> I am. You know, you realize that so far, I'm the fattest person on it. I mean, I'm the. Really, I mean, it's like I'm gonna have to go seek out someone who's huge to stand on it. I'm very curious of how I'm gonna scale up on this. Uh, can, may I? Oh yeah, are oh, you? Oh, so uh, he's on the low side of average. Yeah, no, no, no. Wow. He's, but he's you have the lowest body fat of anybody who stood on it so far. God, yeah. Wow, fat really? boy, fat boy. <laughs> you gotta drop that. You gotta lose. No, no, no. Now it's ironic. Oh, I see. Okay. Here, here, here's the joke I keep telling people who ask me out in public. Like, what, what's the deal with the Where fat boy? Fat boy. I'm like, a, it's ironic. B, Wolfman Jack wasn't really a wolf man either. Why fat boy got to be a fat boy? No, that's... Ah. See? Oh, okay. Oh, oh. And then they buy me a beer. and uh, That was and my John Mahoney and say anything laugh. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I've seen the future, and all I can say is go back. <laughs> ah! Uh, all right. Uh, Dennis? Yes. All right. All right. So before you get on this, so Dennis, what is your age? I am uh, I am 37. 30, 37? Uh, all right. <laughs> You're, uh, how tall think. are you? 6'2". Uh, all right, Sarah, can we do this one more time here? Yeah, I'm coming. All right. 30. You're six two exactly. Yes. Are you making that up? You don't well, look like six. Two. I'm six foot two. Really? Have been for a long time. I believe it. All right. Fine. <laughs> All right. So uh, go ahead and stand Step on, on that scale here. Okay. Stand on it. It'll calculate your weight. I'm very curious because I have been on a diet. I'm wondering what I'm gonna weigh with my pants on. Well, you've been dropping ridiculous amounts of weight. Wait, no, no, it's, no, it's it doing it. Like okay. I uh, I know that uh, at the at the turn of the year I was 250.8 pounds. Wow, are you Whoa. kidding me? Really? In my birthday suit on my scale at home. This morning I, I was 219 and change. So I mean I've lost 30 pounds. So I'm curious what this goes. But I still have this nice bubblegum esque kind of uh, tube surrounding you my. You know headset. what's messed up about that? Did you it's really just talking about having a nice bubblegum esque tube? I, I was talking about my gut roll. You, you know what's messed up is you're gonna have to have that surgically removed, right? If you lose the weight right. super fast, I've, I've got I like know. one of those. Stand on it and don't okay, move. Okay. All right. You oh, are. I'll take that all day long. Oh my Stay lord. There. Two nineteen, two nineteen, two. All right, and your body fat is what? Let's see, it's calculating. Come on. Hold on. Bingo. Bingo. 30.4. Okay, let me... If I'm 30% body fat, then I have breasts. Well, I mean, there's just no I, way. I mean, I, that's like feet. I mean, these these are not jiggly. Wow, no, they're not jiggling. Baby. Thirty you know, thirty point four is so high, it's not even on the chart. No Whoa, that body fat is thirty percent. I mean, I, I, there's no way. That means that an entire the scale's leg, wrong. That means that an entire leg on my body is just one big mass of fat. Well, that's like a third of you being fat. Sarah. Now, Sarah will back me up on this. This has been uh, largely accurate. So well, to I speak. don't. I don't know if it's accurate or not. I mean, I don't know how to assess. But I mean, you know, but I mean, his is low, and he's a slender guy. I'm 
Flabby no, and why was high? Sarah is super well, small, and her fat body fat was pretty high, too. But that she's a woman, though, and it's typically higher in women. What was she I'm just like? trying to find a way to make it true. I'm just, just desperately trying to find a way to make Dennis fatter than I am. <laughs> what, 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 what was yours, Rick? Mine was like 20... Um, 27, Jesus. I yeah, think. Yeah, mine was, let's see. Uh, yeah, mine was 27, which makes me very overweight. Wow. Well, so, if I'm overweight, I, there's something wrong with that, because I'm getting to the point where people are walking up telling me to buy new pants. Well, here's well, the thing, though. I mean, what, you started in January, right? I started in January. It's not, it's not even the first three months, and you've dropped 30 pounds. Yeah. I mean, that, that's something. Yeah, my goal is to get back. You know, like, I've always told the story about when I met my wife. I was 185 pounds when I met her. Yeah. Uh, marriage and kids will do that to you. That, yeah. was, uh, that was pretty much eating and drinking late at night and boozing it up in steaks, so... Okay. Oh, I mistake. Uh, <laughs> I mistake. You and I could probably have an entire segment for an hour long about all the foods that we don't get to eat anymore. I mean, my palate has changed so much that, like, why yogurt, do you not get to eat anymore? Because, well, no, it's not that you don't get to eat, but I cannot go and eat steak anymore. Like, that's not on Weight Watchers and points. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you can have a steak. Such it's a the woman. size of this. We have to. We have to break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk about miles around what's coming up, and we'll talk about your uh, your femininity in your <laughs> diet. Really, honestly. Moves. Um, all right, stay there. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show here with Dennis Pitsenbarger, Boyd Coddington. Boyd Coddington, uh, one of the most iconic rod builders of all time. This guy is just, I mean, if you're a car guy of any degree, you know who Boyd Coddington is. You even knew who he was. I mean, I even I did. Yeah. He is a cross-pop culture kind of uh, guy who's been on TV, radio, all kinds of things. Dead. Uh, he had a lot of health problems lately, and very sad time. Uh, kind of is the the talk. I was just at the uh, setting up for the 52nd annual Portland Roadster show. It's down at the uh, convention center. Big deal. A lot of the people down there, everybody kind of covets him as being one of the best guys in the industry. And, yes, it was unfortunate. He has passed. He has left us. Yeah, if I know who somebody is, then you know that it's a, it's a big deal. Uh, so what is uh, coming up in your world, my friend? Well, unfortunately, this uh, this very Saturday is going to be the very last show with uh, the very loved and uh, highly regarded F. Matt Peterson ah. on uh, Miles Mo Around. Moving on to uh, to other to further future endeavors. Uh, his his example or his reasoning was he has now got a girlfriend he wants to spend time with rather than me. Uh, but I just think he bought another. You don't cut it anymore, Dennis. I was just going to say his girlfriend. Uh, his girlfriend has a six gig uh, internal hard That's drive. A, ooh. That's his girlfriend. Yeah. Lucille is uh, the common uh, one eyed green uh, green eyed girlfriend with the wig. It's an Xbox. That's what it yeah. is. For the fifteen inch. Is he leaving you for the Xbox or for the other green-eyed girlfriend? I, I don't know. It's one or the other. But, uh, no, we're going to be, unfortunately, losing Matt this weekend. But it's okay. We'll try, John. We'll still have good shows. And we are going to be uh, doing a lot of stuff with the Roadster Show. That's the big deal for this weekend. And we're the giving TV away uh, tickets for that uh, last night when we were out doing the uh, meet-and-greet with some of the uh, bastards. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm still hoping. You know what? I still need to come up with a couple fake names for the Bastard Club so you will come by my house. Oh, uh, there was some. Let me. Can yeah. I just, uh, Sarah, do we have a minute or two? Yeah. Let me just say this. Um uncomfortable story of the year. Wait, where was this? What happened? So, you know, well, you know, Terry and I from the street team, we go out every Wednesday. Yeah. And we go door to door. Uh, we, you know, we're calling it, we call it the Emerson for America thing. Because it's kind of like a door, like a campaign. We go out, we go to listeners' houses, we thank them for listening. And then if they have neighbors or people around that they, you know, that, that don't listen, we stop by their house and we go, hey, my name is Rick Emerson. Would you like to listen to this great show and whatever? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, so last two weeks ago, we get this print out of names. And I'm like, okay, where are we going? She's like, okay, the first, first house is so and so. And it's a name I didn't recognize, and it's at 1627 North whatever. And I'm like, okay. So we go there, 
I go up, I'm looking, I've got my CBS gear on, and you know, Terry's with me, and I knock on the door, you know, waiting to spread the word to a guy opens the door, and it took me a second to realize it, and it's uh, someone you don't know, but it's uh, someone from upstairs who had recently been asked to leave the company. Someone oh, who someone who had been let I, go. I don't know them. No, you don't. You wouldn't know who it was. It was it was one of those guys who was here for like you know how. This is like he worked up in the sales him. area. Yeah. Oh yeah. He worked. He he worked ten feet from my office while he was here. And then one day it was like so and so has been asked to leave. You know his work it has been is no longer with CBS. That was one of the multiple offices so I've uh, actually been in. So yeah. Far. So it was a guy who had been uh, who had been fired. And so, but his, he had been a previous bastard or still was or whatever. Anyway, so I knock on the door and he answers the door and I'm like. Hi, I'm Rick Emerson from... Oh, wow. This is awkward. And I didn't recognize him at first because he had, like, the big unemployment beard. Oh. <laughs> and then what are you supposed to do? So, what have you been up to? Well, I mean, just like anything in... You didn't have anything to do with it. Just like I saw Scott uh, Scott Tom the other day. And right. he's like, are you and Rick still mad at us? I'm like, I was never mad at you. And the like, guys from Kiss. And, oh, like, it wasn't their choice. Seriously. And I'm like, what? I'm like, we're all grown-ups here. Obviously, like... I don't understand why you're asking this, because obviously we know that it's not your decision. Right. No, why, totally. I'm like, why you know, it's in like God's Green Earth would we be mad at you? Like I was never mad at the fan uh, for taking our frequency when we were at Intercom. It's not like, it's not like Gavin Dawson woke up one day, we're going to take that frequency. So, you know, this, it's, all, you know it's always just, uh, it's, it's just some guy in a glass office somewhere that you don't know. Oh, mm. I can name that person to hate over there, but I'll just yeah. keep that to myself. Anyway, so yeah, I knock on the door, and it's like a guy that CBS had fired. Oh. And so I'm like, well, have some movie passes, I guess. Bye. <laughs> It was so it was so weird. I, I wish I could have. That was a time when you should have had the uh, the mini DV running because that oh, would have been a, the awkward moment. Was this YouTube a friend of, of yours? No, no, I knew who he was too, and it was it was an know, AE from upstairs. Yeah, he was an AE, and and you know he came and it didn't work out, whatever, and you know things happen that way in the world of business, and he let. But I mean, what are the odds? I mean, there's thousands of people in that day. Well, his name was and his, and his <laughs> and, name was and so given that he'd used like the name of his dog or something, like it wasn't his real name, which is why I didn't know. Yeah. So he knocked at the door. And I'm like, hi, is uh, you know. Is, you know, Pedro, Pedro Gonzalez? Oh, no. Damn. It was so. something along the lines of, hello, is Muppet Smith here? Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and, and then it's yeah. like you, but you've just been fired, you know. So it was all very awkward. Uh, miles around this weekend, 9 to 11. Yes, absolutely. And, of course, uh, we're looking forward to uh, people coming down and visiting. We have a 30 by 50 booth down at the Portland Roadster Show. I know that they've done a lot of uh, promoting through CBS Family, a radio station. So if you get a chance, get down to the 52nd Annual Portland Roadster Show. It's a convention center. You can get there by Max. Or, of course, it's the building that looks like it's something out of Buck Rogers right down there on MLK. Excellent. So there you go. Uh, and it's uh, myspace.com slash milesaround uh, or just milesaround.com 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 uh, Dennis Pitzenbarger uh, Saturday 9 to 11 the final appearance of uh, F. Matt Peterson on that program check it out we want to thank CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum Lisa Desjardins and for the National Enquirer Dorothy Carcassari plus Fatboy from Rock 101 KUFO download their podcast at courtandfatboy.com I'm Rick... not that fat by the way no you're not you're not unless you're on the scale uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today, never David, lovely, intelligent, Sarah X. Dillon for AM 70, Silent State Radio in the newsroom, Tim Riley, uh, on the phones, it's Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave's in, uh, Bridget from upstairs is the webmistress, Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio, uh, Portland marketing guru, like us next, uh, Donna Mike at 7, see y'all tomorrow, I regret nothing!